0: Recharge your batteries if you're just getting up. More, I don't know, welcome to uh, Labor Day Monday, a special time, of course, for uh, the country. Last public holiday before we run into Christmas. And if you're working through the backbone of this country, that's uh, just push on regardless. Good on you. It's wonderful to have you on the show as well. Now, let's face it, Labor Day, you're going to be asked to do things. Uh, to get out involved uh, there might be better halves involved family members saying please would you please mind uh, ripping in we'd be quite keen to have you uh, available for um, painting a fence or minding uh, the kids or whatever just remember that SNZ can follow you wherever you go you can listen to us of course, anywhere you've got a radio or anywhere you got a smartphone, you can listen to us uh, live on the SCNZ app. So do not miss that opportunity to get involved. And, and what a weekend as, uh, as Izzy and uh, Ricardo are covering off. A weekend like that is pretty special. Uh, the chance to see so many New Zealand teams competing on the space of the same weekend is nothing short of phenomenal. So I thoroughly enjoyed uh, being able to Indulge in all things uh, black jersey. Uh, I was loving seeing the uh, the the All Blacks, of course. Who who wouldn't be impressed with a performance like that? Was it exciting? I think that's. And wouldn't be an overstatement to say wouldn't you wouldn't call it an exciting match, but what it was was a dominant display by a team that hasn't always put out a dominant display when they've needed to this year, so pretty excited by uh, what they brought up as well. Now, the Black Ferns were in action. We'll be catching up with their camp a little bit later on as well. Uh, not a winning start uh, to WXV, uh, this new international competition, which I'm a huge fan of, a huge fan of the concept. So it was a close game. The Black Ferns wearing white has been made a little bit of a deal, but I'm I'm more concerned on uh, on the what happened on the scoreboard and the the discipline. I, I was it was an un Black Ferns like performance from that side. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how they thought uh, that that game's gone and how we're going to see the Black Ferns improve as timing goes on. And people calling out, by the way, a few people calling out. Oh look, you know, why the Black why are the Black Ferns playing during the World Cup, Could timing been better potentially. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, if you're going to wait till after the World Cup, that is quite a window uh, to leave it into, isn't it, for uh, the women's sport to keep driving forward? But I want to start off talking about what was, to me, the most dominant performance uh, of the weekend, and it came from the Kiwis a wonderful triple header. Thoroughly enjoyed seeing uh, New Zealand Rugby League represented in such a big stage at Eden Park. Uh, And uh, first of all, a shout out to the Samoan fans. Congratulations on turning that into a wonderful atmosphere. A win for New Zealand A over Tonga A. A win for the Kiwi Ferns over Samoa. And of course the Kiwis. 50 points to nil it was over Samoa. The Samoan team that was at the last World Cup last year in the World Cup final. So uh, a thoroughly, de- I was I don't want to call it a devastating performance, but it was a definite marker from this Kiwi side. And for a man who knows the uh, the Kiwis, the atmosphere, and what it takes to uh, to succeed at international level, joins us on the phone, Sir Graham Lowe. Lowy, uh, wonderful to have you on the show. Your thoughts on uh, New Zealand opening the tournament with such an emphatic fashion? I think you've described it well. I think
1: powerful, you know, We've seldom, if ever, seen such a powerful. I mean, it was like there was 13 power machines continually prowling across the field, whether they had the ball or didn't have the ball. They just looked, you know, that, that just watching them on the TV. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the game, but um, just watching them on the TV, I've seldom seen any side actually ever show that every single player seemed to demonstrate powerfulness it was it was quite incredible really
0: yeah listen this kiwi side uh has the bones of the the team that uh, played at the world cup last year and it's has been uh, around for a while but some of the key uh, positional changes around it, or or getting a few of the new faces through it felt particularly seamless and I, i don't think samoa performed at the level um that they did for large chunks of the World Cup last year, uh, Lowy, and I don't think they did against Australia either. But there's still no pushovers. You don't you don't just turn up against uh, a Samoan side and uh, and they just roll over. You have to make that those plays yourself.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, full credit to Samoa because they uh, they're actually in quite a strong position, and I suppose uh, eligibility and things like mm. that get a crucial role in the game going forward. But they're never any pushover, particularly with the NRL's experience that they have now, and they do have a lot of depth. But, gee, I've got to take my hat off to um, Michael Maguire's style, um, the, the, um, the feeling that seemed to be amongst the whole, like, he, he's the head coach, and that I think his mentality, you know, his philosophy has, has filtered right down through the whole playing group, the A's and, and, and the women. And I had the pleasure yesterday of meeting quite a few of them, actually. We had an ex-Kiwi reunion in Green Lane uh, yesterday afternoon. And and, um, um, they had all the Kiwi players, uh, the men and the women there. And it was just wonderful to to meet them all, to (laughs) just to see them up close and see how young they looked to me. And um, not only that, the size of them. It was just fantastic. But, you know, I was talking... Looking at, at Kieran Foran standing alongside some of these younger guys, and it's just I think Michael Maguire has created a really good sort of um, production line of Kiwi players that is going to come through. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, Kieran Foran's a great example of that, uh, Loewy, is that you wouldn't say he set the world on fire for the Titans, and Kieran Foran's best football. His, his dominant football is behind him. But what he brings uh, in the mix for that squad, when you're picking a squad for a tournament like this, and, and for a side in general, it's invaluable having someone like that within the ranks, isn't it? I know that uh, you always put a real high value on having those uh, leaders, and while they may not necessarily be the the star on-field performers, uh, the Kiwi culture that has been successfully revived uh, since uh, that World Cup win and, and taken to new heights by, by different coaches, that ability to have the uh, the understanding of what it takes to be a kiwi in there and somebody can fit in seamlessly it makes all the difference
2: oh it
1: makes a heck of a lot of difference and i mean like you say karen his best years are past him without any doubt but what he can what he can gift at the drop of a hat and a phone call away produce for for the kiwis just as long as he's in the right position and his workload is, is regulated you know through the through the game so it's managed through the game so it can get through um, he he can just add so much value to all of those young players. It's you can't really put you can't you can't put a stat on it or, or a value on it uh, when you're talking about the experience that he brings along because he is he's got class. I suppose above all he's got a toughness about him, a yeah. toughness that's really really seen in any players really. I mean he he has got an absolute genuine toughness about him that would equate to anybody who's ever played the game from from the day it even, that day it started back, nearly 1900s.
0: Uh, you mentioned the size as well, Loa. Uh, you, of course, uh, your incredible coaching career and, and what you managed to do to turn the Kiwis from uh, the underdogs into a team that believes that they can be part of any scrap in the in the 80s. It's not like you had uh, tiny players. <laughs> you had some man no, no, monsters it's... within your team. But it, 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 I suppose you look at, like, Kieran Foran's a great example. I mean, you you, you compare him to your, your halves and the members of your spine in that era. They, they're just built different, aren't they?
1: Oh, I had to smile because... Um, Eric Carson's a great mate, mate of mine. You know, a, half back, from, a yep. half back from back, Kiwi halfback from back the sixties, and seeing Karen stand alongside Eric Carson was like, Eric was like a little dwarf compared to, to uh, Karen. Like, <laughs> like, l- be, l-
0: l- like the pro- like the Province l- tr- uh, Trophy star picture, eh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> very very similar, but. But um, you know that's what, what what goes on what what beats in in the in the uh, inside the jersey of a kiwi, a kiwi, kiwi jersey that strong kiwi heart if it's if it's led in the right, right, right way and, and assembled in the right manner and whatnot which which I think Michael McGuire has done an excellent job at it will bring out the best in anyone at all and I just just looking at them yesterday um, there was a, there was there was a smile on their faces. And a, and a sort of a contentment that they knew that they'd done something really, really good, and they also you could see the quiet confidence of what they've got coming up ahead. And it's, and I tell you, I'm not exaggerating. That all starts with the coach.
0: Yeah, well, listen, you know the, the, the gentleman that he is as well as, as coaching Acumen. Uh, we know that Michael Maguire is hugely in demand. We're, we're we're just waiting for the shoe to drop now, basically, aren't we, on uh, Michael Maguire officially either taking or um, accepting at least the, uh, the New South Wales State of Origin role. You've coached Origin, you've coached Test Football, and you know what those environments are like can someone do both as in coach the uh an opposition nation to australia and coach in origin is it it, for me it feels unusual because i know origin isn't uh, the straight pathway to the kangaroos anymore but it feels it it, it, something doesn't feel right to me if i'm fine with michael Maguire doing it i've got no problem with his integrity and his ability uh, and and his uh, dedication to the kiwis but just as a generalization it feels like a really strange um, compromise or juxtaposition there
1: I, I, I actually, Sam, I, I think it's absolutely perfect because, you know, it's the, these are sort of when you coach the Kiwis, particularly the way it's set up at the moment with you're not touring or anything like that, it's, it's like a project, you know, at the end of the year. Yeah. And I, so I, I think it would be absolutely perfect for the New Zealand Rugby League if Michael was the New South Wales origin coach and also the Kiwi coach. I don't think you could get a better combination, really, because it will not, it enable Michael if he's with the New South Wales side to actually get a filtration of what's going on in the heads of all the 16 NRL coaches coming back to him or 17 coaches all coming, coming back through to him from, from the players he's got in his New South Wales squad. Um, and then that just adds to the, it, it adds to the, the knowledge base that he needs and, and can help him later on uh, when he picks up the Kiwis at the end of the year. I, I just, I know some people might find it a bit unusual, but, I do think that Michael's the guy that will absolutely take advantage of this, and, and I just can't think of anything better for as far as the Kiwi coach goes for the help, the preparation of the, of the coach. Just like the players need their preparation, playing in the NRL at that real high standard um, will the NRL, the state of origins, a higher higher level again, and for for Michael to be able to get that experience and that knowledge from the period with the New South Wales team throughout the or during the year i i I believe it would be absolutely perfect if i was the new zealand league i'd be getting something on paper from them as quick as possible exactly the same with with the new south wales league i'd get it i'd just be getting them signed up straight away
0: Speaking with Master Motivator, Super Coach uh, Sir Graham Low. Uh, Lowie, I want to talk about the Australian Test coming up in a second, but first, just on that about Origin. You were already the Kiwis Test coach and coached uh, club level with uh, Manly before playing uh, before coaching Queensland. How does being an Origin coach change you? What what or what do you take out of that experience that you don't get from those other ones?
1: I think it, it's hard to explain really because. The standard of football, particularly nowadays in the NRL, and it was it was very similar in some ways back in the Winfield Cup. But the Origin, really, I know when I stepped onto that stage, I thought I understood what Origin football was all about because uh, I was at the very first State of Origin game in 1980 at Lang Park. I was I was actually coaching in Brisbane at that particular time. I was coaching Norths up there in Brisbane, and I sort of saw the first game, saw the I saw the whole thing unfold. I had a number of meetings actually. I was part of a committee at that at that particular time with the late um, Senator Ron McAuliffe, who, who whose brainchild the whole thing was. Mm. Um, but and I thought I understood Origin, but it wasn't until I actually coached it and stepped onto that coaching stage that I realised and experienced the different intensity that it brings out of you. Even as a coach, you know, you there's no doubt about it. That does take you to another. you, you your willingness to do something goes to another level. Um, and, and, and I, I, the way the game is set up at the moment, I think if Michael Maguire was allowed to be in that stage with New South Wales, um, I can
0: only see it helping what he's going to do in the future with the Kiwis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a, a phenomenal um, opportunity for him. And I, 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 I've got to say, Loey, I've been quite adamant in my, in my view that I'm fine with Maguire doing it, it doesn't sit right with me. Uh, you've managed to turn me around. I think I'm I'm, I'm on board. Uh, I want to talk to you about the uh, the upcoming game. It'll be now the first of two tests, given that uh, Samoa lost both games by a hefty margin uh, in the specific championship for uh, for New Zealand against Australia, going to Melbourne to tackle uh, the roos, already there. They flew out yesterday, last night. Uh, so, what what the kangaroos looked good in their first game, and they they're relatively settled, and they have had time uh, to stand back and watch. How do you feel about New Zealand going head to head with Australia over the next few weeks, as far as their uh, their opportunity to emerge with another trophy?
1: Oh, I I feel really quietly confident, and and again, just just seeing these guys yesterday. Um, just the manner, the, the, the calmness, the confidence, the humbleness. It was just honestly, um, if you're a Kiwi rugby league supporter, it really was fantastic to see these young guys there because I, I just think they're in a, in a frame of mind. And again, it's, it's to do with the coach, mate. They're in a frame of mind that's, that's quietly got them ready. You know, they, they don't look intimidated by anything. Well, they, certainly, they can't be intimidated because they've got a squad of players that are amongst the best in the NRL. Um, and and I, I, I just think they're ready for it. It is unusual having to play Australia twice. Australia, will be, they'll be up for the game. Make no mistake about that. Australia will really be up for it. But I think New Zealand will as well. And um, just having a quiet chat with, with Michael Maguire yesterday, just listening to, to him. I mean, he's so proud to be in this role as Kiwi coach. He's very, very, he's very proud of his players. He's proud to represent New Zealand, and it's it's just, it, I, I just think they're going to go really well. It's it's at a um, a different point in the history of our game. The history of our game has is, is, is had a wobbly path at different times, and mm. you know it's got the level now. I think we're going to see you know over this next um, period of time, uh, just a, a different level. The Kiwis are going to uh, provide a different level of expectation for what's going to happen in the future. The other thing that's worth considering as well that I know Michael is really uh, mindful of is I think that it will help develop the pathways that New Zealand has been lacking. New Zealand has definitely been lacking pathways and opportunities, maybe not so much for for players, but for coaches. You know, there's there's a lot that think that maybe we should have a New Zealand coach, but they haven't had the experience. But I think that... You have to start somewhere and and, um, pathways are really something that Michael uh, Maguire is conscious of. And I I think that those pathways will eventually um, change and provide opportunities for, for coaches and managers and trainers and all that sort of thing that really have never
0: been considered or planned enough before. Mark my words. The next coach of the Kiwis, whether that's after the next World Cup or however it works out, the next coach will be a New Zealander because there are a lot of New Zealand coaches that are, are finding themselves in the right position uh, to be now. I mean, guys like Nathan Kalis, guys like Stacey Jones. These are these are players, more than uh, former players, who are now coaching that are more than capable of being a step in that with the right support staff. So I'm. Really excited. And you mentioned about that pathway of where New Zealand Rugby League has come from to where it is, Lowie. As somebody who has put as much into uh, rugby league in this country as you have, and, and the Kiwi jersey has meant so much to you, what does it mean t- to know there was a triple header held at Eden Park with three New Zealand teams playing in a row, oh, and, the Ki- you- and the Kiwi Ferns put on that stage with the uh, with the Kiwis as well?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's just wonderful, and um, particularly in, the, in that arena there. Um, it's just it's just well i said i I gave a um (laughs) i was put in a tough position yesterday because dale has been right what what, what a surprise (laughs) he gave me 30 seconds notice and asked me to to welcome them in. and and i said to them you know in my lifetime you know when when i was involved never in a million years really did i think that we'd be sitting there in a venue like yesterday um welcoming welcoming in and and being so proud of, of the women's Kiwi team, you know, I mean, which is, and, and to see them, to see and see how proud they are. And not only that, they're just such good players. They, they actually, they, they're fantastic players. It's not as if, oh, gee, we're watching the women's football. It's, I mean, they're exciting. They're fantastic. They're, I think they're at least as good to watch any, any time. As the men are, and it's just it's, it really is. But I just had to be honest with them. I, you know, at 77 years old, I, I never ever thought I'd see that at my age. But it, it's just a great step forward. It's a fantastic step forward. And and um, you know, there's such a ta- and there's a great talent pool coming through behind this this current lot of women as well. So it's just fantastic. It was it was just great.
0: No, if, if you were at home and you uh, you missed watching the the Kiwi Ferns, I thoroughly recommend checking out the uh, the highlights uh, because they they are a phenomenon to watch. They always are. I think that uh, Georgia Hale, uh, I would you know pound for pound, gender for gender, would go into any team I've ever seen. I think she's a phenomenon at the back of the scrum. Uh, Rachel McGregor has won the the women's Deli and is a hell of a halfback. Uh, you only have to see uh, young Anissa Biddle, who's uh, won the NRLW Rookie of the Year, to see the potential in her future. Abigail Roach had a monster game, and uh, Meli Funga, the uh, prop forward number three, if you're watching. I don't think there's a faster, stronger prop in any form of the game in any gender either. She's an absolute force uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> runs like a three-quarter when she gets the ball in hand and uh, hits like a, a cement truck. So uh, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that, uh Loie, Absolutely. Now, just to uh, close on, uh, on the international game, we really appreciate your time. Uh, to have uh, Mamate Tonga playing uh, an international series against England, that's another thing, a, a three-tier series. That's one of those moments of never in your life to time could you imagine that and they came very close against the English lost by four points in that first test this is a uh, we're at a watershed stage I know the uh, international game uh, is always a topic of debate it's not as big as rugby uh, not as big as other sports um, in the international level yep we can concede that but the fact of the matter is uh, it's breaking new ground on a regular basis
3: well well
1: many from my era will tell you that We've always known that the potential for for these island nations has always been there to foot it with the Kiwis or Australia or the other international teams at any time. I think that a lot of a lot of thought is going to be have to be put into eligibility moving forward because you know there's there is the temptation and the opportunity um, there for the swapping of camps over years and yeah. and I think we've just what you know everyone. You know, to represent your nation, and um, you know, to represent your country, or whatever whatever thinking you've got, is a fantastic thing. And for most people, it's the pinnacle of their career. You know, to represent your country. Um, But given the way that the game is at the moment, and the opportunities that maybe pathways allow you to take a couple of different options, I think that some real serious, unselfish consideration has got to be put into that moving forward, so that. So that we, you know, we don't in any way water things down, and 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 as you said, rugby league is is a smaller game, and, and with Tonga and the island nations, they, they are smaller in many ways to rugby union. But the big thing that um, don't underestimate how how good rugby league is, because you only got to you've only got to look at the two games side by side on TV, and one you're not sure if you won't watch and paint dry. Um, and the other, the other one is is the other one's an absolutely fantastic explosive non-stop package
0: you're not going to find any uh arguments from me Lowe. you know you're preaching to the <laughs> choir uh on on that one uh, so graham Lowe, always uh lovely to catch up and uh great to hear your thoughts it is a a special time for the kiwis some people say you can't beat them uh, twice the kangaroos you only look to win in a, in a series looked or a tournament look to beat them once but i Guarantee that will not be the mentality of this Kiwi side. A Kiwi side that you could stack a a, a list of those who are either injured uh, unavailable for whatever reason um, uh, or uh, Have retired recently. I I mean the likes of Torhu Harris and the Jesse Bromwiches as well uh, Or uh, switched allegiances. That's pretty phenomenal. You could stack that up against this Kiwi side and be competitive with anyone too So I am hugely supportive uh, of where the Kiwis are at and I can't wait to see more. Always great to speak to you Loie. Thanks very much, and I think we're all witnessing
1: really a new guard, a new a new way, uh, and, and a new brand of Kiwis that come through. The Kiwi jersey is always the the galvanising point, but looking in the eyes of these young fellas yesterday, and I mean, uh, at they they, I thought to myself, Jesus, Louie, how old are you getting? Because they did, <laughs> and, and and also, I'm sure I'm blinking shrinking. I'm absolutely sure I'm shrinking because, um, I. I that they just seem to be so big standing next to me, all of them. But we are—it's a new, it's a new brand and style. And I think with the opportunity for the coach, I'm a big believer in the coach and the leadership of the whole thing. And with the opportunities that's there, Sam for for um, for, for Madge McGuire to be the Kiwi coach and New South Wales State of Origin coach, I don't think you could get a better combination when you're looking at a selfish way of pushing New Zealand further
0: forward. No, I'm with you, Loey. Absolutely with you. Always uh, grateful for your time. When we come back here on Labor Day on SNZ, we're talking to Andrew Gordy out of Paris. Get the latest on what's going on in the World Cup countdown. As the Rugby World Cup final looms ever closer, we uh, head to Paris to get the vibe of what's going on over there now that the All Blacks are in the big dance against South Africa and uh, a man on the ground who knows all about international tournaments, knows all about vibe as well, let me tell you. News Hub's Andrew Gordy. (laughs) Uh, Andrew, mate, first of all, the experience for you being in uh, Paris as a New Zealander, a a rugby fan, and seeing the results that have happened over the last couple of weeks to get the All Blacks from where they were to where they are, it's been pretty phenomenal.
4: Bonjour to you, Sammy. Bonjour to all the listeners back there in New Zealand. Mate, it's been very special, and it's been very surprising, I've got to say. Um, I think pretty much every single Kiwi I spoke to uh, upon arrival ahead of the quarterfinals felt like this might be a short trip, you know, we might only be here for a week sort of thing because such was the confidence of the Irish and the Irish supporters, their form set it all, they'd beaten South Africa, they'd put in uh, an incredible performance, obviously, against the Springboks earlier in the tournament. And I think given where the All Blacks were at, um, it was probably fair. It was probably a fair and accurate assessment of where things were. What I think no one saw coming was an All Blacks side really raising themselves several levels uh to put in the performance that they did right across the board attacking defense up front and throughout the backs uh to deliver a display to to beat Ireland and and I think actually I was just talking to someone about this today actually it's not as though Ireland didn't turn up in that match they put on they they, they scored 24 points um yeah. but as is so often the case with the All Blacks they just go out there and score more and that was a, a deeply impressive performance. I think everyone who was there uh, on the night felt like they were privileged to be there, like they'd witnessed something really special, like one of the all-time great test matches uh, ever ever put on by the All Blacks. Um, it was it was an, a very very special occasion, and and obviously then they, it was pretty obvious. I think there was there was no real pressure, no real tension. I don't think in the lead up to the Argentina test, and and we obviously saw what they what they put on at Stade de France, and, and here we are. We're in a Rugby World Cup final, Uh, Ian Foster, after all the criticism he's received, after all the ups and downs that this this team has endured, into a Rugby World Cup final, and really, you would have to say Sammy, it really doesn't matter what happens now, this tournament has been a success for the All Blacks, it's been a success for Ian Foster, and if he can clinch a World Cup title, it's just a massive bonus and probably a knighthood on the way
0: it's a hundred percent a knighthood I've been saying that on the station for a few weeks now if the all-backs are to win the most maligned all-backs team of the modern era and that's saying something Andrew there's <laughs> been quite quite a few maligned all-back teams over the years to go to come through and become world champions it's a knighthood, it's it's, it's a walk up, lay down ear, certainly with the new government coming in wanting to, uh, to help uh, make sure they control the narrative a bit too. I, I think there's a, a guarantee that the guy will be there. Either way, I think uh, Ian Foster is, uh, I wouldn't say vindicated, but to a point uh, he's managed to uh, have the final say in his legacy, and if the final say, let's just say, the worst case scenario is a World Cup final loss, certainly better than anyone would have picked up, and it's going to be international gigs from wherever he likes, uh, but... If it goes on all the way, um, it, it's a it's an awkward position for a lot of New Zealand rugby fans to be in who've been baying for this man's blood for a long time.
4: Absolutely, and and we all know it doesn't really matter what happens in between, right? It all no. it, it's all about World Cups. It's all about delivering on the biggest stage of all at the end of a, at the end of a four year cycle. And yet, there's a you know Ian Foster has picked up a lot of unwanted records along the way, and and you know he has to live with that, I suppose, and his record, is winning percentage, and everything is. It's probably it's not at the level of, you know, Sir Graham Henry or, or Steve Hansen etc cetera, etc, cetera. but if he goes and wins a World Cup, it will be it will be you know Sir Ian Foster and deservedly so it was it's been Sir Brian you know Sir Sir, Sir Brian Lahore, uh, Sir Graham Henry, Sir Steve Hansen, Sir Wayne Smith. It'll be Sir Ian Foster if he goes out and guides his team to a World Cup victory and he'll absolutely deserve it. He will absolutely deserve it. It'll, it is all about peaking at the right time, and you know it. It's, Gee, it, it feels like ages ago now that they suffered a record defeat to South Africa in the, in the game just prior to this tournament and then lost to France um, to, to start this tournament. The one thing I would say, Sammy, right, is uh, uh, like one thing I felt really strong about heading into this tournament is that it, it was going into the start of, of this campaign, it was the most even World Cup I think we've ever seen. How many times do you think we've, st- we've gone into a World Cup saying that I think personally any one of four teams could have won this World Cup out of... Out of the Springboks, France, Ireland, and, and New Zealand—not necessarily in that order—but obviously the four teams met in the quarterfinals. They were they were two outstanding quarter. In fact, we had four very good quarterfinals, but those two quarterfinals in particular went right down to the wire. And we had you know two teams come out on top. Obviously, it could have it, it was a toss of the coin, really, wasn't it? Um, but now we're in this situation where yeah, it was it was one of four teams was going to win it, and it could well be the All Blacks. And that's just the you know purely by the virtue of the fact I think that. You know, maybe they just, the the All Blacks have maybe just perhaps been able to find that extra 1% when it really mattered, Um, and I suppose we'll find out this weekend.
0: Speaking with the faces of News Hub Sport and Andrew Gordy in Paris, and Andrew, you've been around a lot of All Black camps uh, and seen a lot of All Black teams uh, over the many years. Where's this one at as far as uh, what you can read when you see them? Is there a a confidence? Is there a swagger? Is there a, where where do you see this team heading into uh, the biggest game for many of them, their lives?
4: Well, there's been a bit, there's been a clear change. That's what I would say, right? So prior to the Island fixture, um, I'd have to say, like, I, I was deeply impressed. There was a there was a um, media opportunity one day with uh, Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton, and boy, oh boy, I I, I I can barely recall seeing two more composed and confident, not arrogant, composed and confident men. Like they they looked like they knew that they were here to do a job, and they were very confident in their ability to do it. There was a little bit of apprehension, I think, in the All Blacks camp, and I. I Understandably so, right? They were the underdogs. The pressure was on going into that game. They, they didn't sort of come across as like we're, we're the alpha dogs perhaps going into, into this fixture. But a clear change going from pre-match Ireland to post-match Ireland. They knew they got over a massive hurdle in that fixture. And I think then they grew. They grew an extra foot. The confidence was there. The senior players were all singing from the same song sheet. Delivering exactly the right messages, especially when it came to, you know, I suppose extinguishing the um, ghost. I suppose from the 2019 World Cup and that semi-final defeat to England, they all acknowledged it. They they all recognised that it was a, it was a legitimate talking point, but they dealt with it correctly. I think they dealt with it correctly internally and externally, and I think you saw that in the performance against Argentina. It was very noticeable in the stadium after that Argentina game. You know the Argentine fans were very passionate as well, and they were making a lot of noise prior to prior to kickoff. But the All Blacks just sucked the atmosphere and sucked any sort of nervous tension out of the stadium. Um, it was it was pretty amazing, really. Like the the atmosphere of All Blacks versus Ireland in the quarter final, All Blacks Argentina semi final, it was like chalk and cheese. It felt like you were in a different stadium. Now it'll be different, I'm sure, this weekend. But I, I think the credit goes to the All Blacks for that because they controlled that game, they controlled their performance. Um, they were never really under pressure, and that was a very professional job. I think that they put on Argentina. Um, they just didn't allow them to emotionally get into the game, which is, I think, a big part of the part of beating a team like Argentina. Completely different challenge, obviously, this weekend against against South Africa, a team they they know well. These two teams know each other very well, and they've got recent history to pull on to say why each of these teams win the game. I just really think it's going to come down to the, on the night, and it could well come down to, to ground conditions, Sammy. Like we obviously saw in the semi final against England. Um, the, the conditions, and it was raining, you know, all throughout the day and during the match. And I think just England probably coped with that better initially. Um, and, you know, credit to England. Who, who sort of thought that they would be putting on the, putting on the heat uh, in, a, in a World Cup semi-final against South Africa? I, I certainly didn't. But credit to them. Um, they showed that, you know, there's some, some pretty uh, some old experience, clever heads in that team. You know, Maro Toje especially. I just, I just think the world of that bloke. Um, and they, they delivered a performance that really gave South Africa a run for their money, and they had to dig extremely deep, obviously, to, to get the win. But, you know, I suppose that's, that's, that's the sign of a champion side that when you what was it, nine points down on the scoreboard with 15 minutes yeah. to go and haven't fired a shot the entire game, um, they unload their bench, um, you know, Snaman scores a try, and then Andre Polo does what Andre Pollard does, and, you know, geez, wasn't that decision to hook Marnie Le after half an hour? Didn't that come to fruition for Rassi Erasmus and Jacques Nenebier? So... Um, You know, who knows? Who knows what we're going to see in this final? I think we're going to see um, a classic, I think, you know, two teams, like I say, that know each other very well, that have got firepower um, out wide and, and also plenty of muscle up front. I think we're going to see a classic.
0: Keen on your thoughts on the uh, on this, uh, semi-final in a second, but just as we're talking about the vibe and the atmosphere within stadiums, what about the uh, the atmosphere uh, for the final? Now that uh, there's no Northern Hemisphere team, there can't be any great big English invasion to suddenly take over uh, the stadium. Who do you think, from the games you've seen and the vibe you're picking up, who's going to be the the local and the, I suppose the neutrals as well, uh, supporter here? Two teams that have won three in a row, uh, sorry, three World Cups previously. Uh, there's no underdog in that context to uh, to jump in behind. Are the All Blacks going to be more popular, do you think, than the Springboks?
4: Well, that's a good question, Sammy, because the, the, the French fans are still really sort of making their presence felt at this tournament. You've probably heard the boos for Ben O'Keefe every time. Um, <laughs> he's been preferring. That's the French fans who are still very much, um, you know, have an axe to grind over over their departure from the tournament. I thought it was Anton Depont, yeah,
0: actually, thought he his own ticket.
4: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, he's... Um, yeah, I'm not sure we've heard too much from Anton about that, but um, yeah, he was obviously fairly upset, and the French fans were too. Obviously, look, I think it's one of those funny ones, isn't it? Like, I, I think if you, my gut feeling says that the French will get behind the All Blacks because um, you know I, we 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 even did our own story about that. You know, there are, there are bars here that are you know after, after the French got bundled out of the tournament, started you know putting up putting up Kiwi support you know colours and everything like that. So. So the the locals are sort of getting in behind the All Blacks. But there's that funny thing, you know, if if you're going to get knocked out of a tournament, you kind of want to be knocked out by the eventual champion. So perhaps uh, we might see some French fans get behind the Springboks to say, you know, we were actually the second best in this tournament, if you know what I mean. Um, But, yeah, that that will be fascinating to see what unfolds there. I've I've seen plenty of Springbok support in town. Um, I've also seen plenty of All Black support in town. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who makes uh, makes their voices heard uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, it could be interesting too as well, Andrew. If they're uh, because they beat the All Blacks, they might go well. If the All Blacks won in our head, we might have been able to win the World Cup, right? Because it's you know if we hadn't have had to be pitted with these guys in pool play. We're going to take them the final. Either way, I think it's uh, set for a big one on that semi final. Uh, I think that we're we're witnessing the end of uh, an All Black era. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of players who won't be there. Uh, come again with a lot of a lot has gone, you know, fairly so on the uh, the Aaron Smiths and the Sam Whitelocks. But I will tell you what, for a guy who's extremely Unlikely, uh, unless he pulls his contract short or you know, is somehow back in favour in three years' time. I think Richie Moong is playing some of his uh, some of his best football for me, and I know we've seen some great games from him and uh, duos a few years back between uh, him and uh, Bowden Barrett. But I think we're seeing the most Super Rugby-like. Richie Moong at Test level that was seen in a long time, barring the uh, the dreadful decision not to feed <laughs> Will Young for uh, sorry Will uh, Will Jordan for the fourth try. I, I'm really impressed with what we're seeing with him as a as a general out there and his ability to attack.
4: Well, we all know his ability, don't we? We all know Richie Moong's ability. He demonstrates it week in, week out for the Crusaders. I think there has been a a tendency at times, and you know certainly some. Some sort of uh, I don't know. I suppose you might call them experts um, that you speak to. Sort of, there's a, there's a feeling that perhaps sometimes Richie Muaenga has a tendency to go missing in fixtures. I, I don't think we've seen that from him at this World Cup. And and who knows? Maybe this tournament will prove to be his coming of age as an All Blacks first five. You know, obviously he has some pretty big uh, pretty big shoes to fill. Um, you know, he follows in the footsteps of, of some of the greats, right? Um, and I think in this World Cup, and especially against Ireland, obviously, and then again against Argentina, he really stepped up. And, and that's what all those first five need to do, right? Like you're the you're the general, you're the guy that's got to you know drive the team around the park. Um, I, I as well think that Bowden Barrett does, does deserve some credit. This is a guy who mm. you know some were calling for him to not not be included in the starting fifteen. Um, I think we're seeing you know a, a return to form from from Bowden Barrett um, back there at fullback. I think is. Some of his kicking in his decision-making has been outstanding as well. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, Richie and now with a, with an opportunity. You know, if he goes out and buys and this team around the park and, and they win a World Cup, well, you know, he, he deserves to be up there, doesn't he, with with Dan Carter, etc. cetera, as, you know, among, among our all-time greats to wear the number 10 jersey that, um, you know, obviously is the, is the one we put up in lights for sure. So, um. Yeah, and when you consider that this is a guy who, you know, is in the the peak of his powers, he's going to be walking away from New Zealand rugby, you know, quite rightly to set up his family. I completely understand that for for any professional athlete. But, uh, yeah, boy, it must be tough for Scott Robertson uh, to think uh, who's going to be wearing that number 10 jersey for him next year if it's not going to be
0: Richard Moanga. And, uh, Andrew, I know you're a a cricket nut as well. Did you manage to find anywhere that's playing um, (laughs) (laughs) Cricket World Cup, New Zealand versus India, anywhere in France? (laughs)
4: no we, we've been sort of trying to follow follow along, sort of online I think I'll managed to um dial in and uh, and watch a bit of it this afternoon but um yeah no we've, we've we've sort of been you know in and out of uh watching watching and following the world cup um yeah so it's obviously a bit of a shame how how things turned out there uh, obviously overnight um but uh you know well I'm actually just catching up with the score now. So India won by four wickets with a couple of overs to spare. So did it pretty comfortably in the end. But look, they've made a great start to this tournament, and um, you know that's their first defeat, obviously. But you know there's still you know a few games to go, and you know you'd like to think that they can they can do enough to, to at least get into the into the semi-finals, and then you know tournament tournament sport um, anything can happen from there. So um, yeah, great to see them going so well.
0: Yeah, I don't think you beat India at home at a tournament twice. Uh, so if you're going to lose to no. one, I'm 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 fine for New Zealand uh, coasting under the radar a little bit longer rather than getting that massive target put on their back. It's uh, far from a far from a disaster. Absolutely. Well, good, you enjoy the rest of your time there, mate, and the rest of New Zealand. All of us listening are obviously extraordinarily jealous. Uh, not to be a and um, the cultural hotspot that is uh, Paris, as well as therefore what will be hopefully uh, a historic night uh, coming up. Next weekend for those All Blacks. So uh, appreciate your time uh, and go well for uh, the rest of the trip. Now pace yourself as well, uh, Gords. I know there's a lot of temptations in Paris, so uh, play it safe, mate. You've got a uh, only a few only a few more days left.
4: Yeah, thank you, mate. I must admit, I've probably been tucking into a few too many panna cotta. It's been a bit of a, um, a bit of a weakness of mine, and indeed the rest of the News Hub team. Um, you know, so I'm trying to I'm trying to scale back the uh, panna chocolat intake, but um, yeah, you might see a. Uh, might
0: see a different version of me when we come back. Unfortunately, just the best. Right. I, I, listen, I'm 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 going to go and record. Best food on the, on the planet is in France. I I will take that over <laughs> over Italian. I know there's a, a, a strong argument for Japanese. Whatever you like, I I will tell you French food's the best thing going around. So yeah, no, I certainly. Uh, it wasn't the uh, the baggage uh, weight allowance I was concerned with last time I came back from there. Gordy was wondering if I'd fit in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> Très
4: bien, mate, Très bien.
0: Go well, Andrew. Appreciate your time. Cheers, Amy. Andrew Gordy there. Now, we've uh, had a text through from uh, Greg from Christchurch, uh, and we love to have your uh, input on the show, so please do uh, get in touch. He says, you had me until you said knighthood. How can you compare someone who coaches a team to Edmund Hillary? What a joke. Nothing against Fozzie. He is a good man and a great coach, but let's leave it there. Now, Greg... i I don't disagree with you i don't put any coach and any of these coaches uh that you've seen uh, knighted previously uh, on the same standing as um as the great syrian i mean how how can you but it's not like knighthoods are reserved for just those completely at the peak of uh of national significance at all given time there are plenty of knights who aren't necessarily knights that go well they deserve to be on syriads level because if you're going to do that it's going to be much like the top of Everest, a very lonely peak. So I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think that Foster should be knighted? And what do you make of the All Blacks performance? I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you here on SENZ, part of the the whanau, to hear what you think. You can hit us up on the temper bedpost text machine of double eight double three, or give us a call on 800 050811 temper and bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. There's an awful lot to get through today. It has been a uh, big weekend and things just keep getting bigger. If you've uh, missed the news though, uh, Stephen Adams is going to miss the upcoming NBA season with that uh, knee injury. The non-operative rehab did not resolve his ongoing knee instability is what the official line is from the Grizzlies. So that's a major blow. Hopefully see him back shortly. Keep your tests coming through on double eight, double three. Back to look ahead to the next hour after this. Thanks to Chris for uh, texting through in the temper bedpost text machine of double eight, double three. He says, well, I'm a proud All Black fan, but while Barrett has improved as the tournament has gone on, as Andrew Gordy was saying, he still has that aimless kick in his game often. And as it was an aimless kick that cost England a final spot, we can't do this against the box. Chris, you are bang on. Uh, I think the kicking game has improved considerably. But it, it, sometimes you do roll the dice. I don't, I don't call them aimless. I just think sometimes they're not executed. To the level that they should be coming up after the break uh really looking forward to getting the views of uh scotty stevenson who called that test match the uh the dower of the semi-finals so looking forward to getting his thoughts on what needs to happen for the all Blacks to beat those Springboks. we'll pick to ronnie hera as well about the loss to india and catch up benny davis from across the tasman snz right after the break Welcome back to the show, brought to you by Branch, your local John Deere equipment su- uh, supplier. We we touched base on the vibe in France uh, and what the All Blacks mood was like. Tell you what, their semi-final against Argentina, it was clinical, of course, from uh, the, the All Blacks, uh, and it was great to watch some running rugby. Now imagine if your job was having to watch, had to sit through the the England versus South Africa match. That honestly, I feel like sending a, an invoice to World Rugby uh, for two hours of my time, I wouldn't get back. The highlight for me, what got me through uh, that game, despite you know, I was sure the tense uh, finish was great at the end, but uh, for me, the absolute highlight was the uh, commentary of the man joining us now, SCNZ commentator Scotty Stevenson. Uh, as you called it, Scotty at the time, as uh, a whole lot of hooey and not a lot of dewey in that game. It was a it was, it was a it was a tough one.
5: Yeah, although uh, strangely engrossing, Sam. Uh, I know what you mean after watching the All Blacks run in seven tries. uh, And we we love our running rugby in this part of the world. But I thought there was enough of a storyline going on in that game to keep me interested. Mind you, I had to be there, so uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased. But um, it was an enthralling contest. It really was a battle of styles. And I think, you know, South could win by virtue of just having that little bit extra when it really mattered in that test match
0: yeah look, i've got a a 10 year old boy who uh who loves his sport uh and uh he can be he, if i put on a uh, an opening of an envelope and there was uh, 20,000 people there watching he he'd be into it after about 15 good, yeah. after about 15 minutes he was reaching for the ipad honestly he 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 he, 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 he could he couldn't handle the uh, you know i told him it was a great chance to practice his 3 times tables uh but uh, aside from that it was Listen, I I kind of thought that South Africa got sucked into um, the English game plan a little bit, and I, I wouldn't expect South Africa to play like that uh, two weeks in a row. But it, it, you're right, there was uh, it, it engrossing in the con in the context that both these teams were going hammer and tongue and there was no de- definitive breakaway. It wasn't uh um, there was certainly a, a willing encounter, but I I don't recall seeing a South African side look that kind of out of kil- out of kilter in that type of competition in a while.
5: Yeah, it was strange. I mean, I thought, you know, Freddie Stewart at full-back for England had a magnificent match. He really did. Um, you know, career-defining in many ways. He just diffused everything that could put up at him. Uh, and he chased really hard on England's kicks as well. Mitchell was good from the basic breakdown, and Owen Farrell was accurate as always. Um, it, it was a very limited game plan. Uh, but I think knowing Steve Borswick and knowing this England side, uh, they just said, right, this is our plan A. It's also our plan B, our plan C, and our plan B, and we're going to keep going and you know the, the horrible thing to in their side is you know they play that style of rugby um, at 100% for 78 minutes and then you know one lapse at the scrum you know look Alice Genge and Kyle Sinclair came into that game back at Dan Cole and, and Joe Marler who were fabulous the, the starting loose and tight here for England um, and they'll and be looking back now and reflecting on the fact that that scrum started to disintegrate under pressure from South Africa's bench and um, you know that's the end of the story for me. It was the fact that once again, South Africa just had maybe slightly more of a Plan B when it really mattered.
0: I think look, we love to throw shade at the English game, don't we, in this country? And people love to, uh, you know, call their games game plan boring. But what Steve Borthwick's done with this English side after the uh, the, <laughs> the rabble that he picked up, I think needs to be commended. Yep. I know, I know, it's you know people are going to say the easier side of the draw, and yep, you're correct. They didn't have to go through the top four teams uh, to earn a spot mm. in the semi-finals. That said, you can only play what's in front of you. And they came within, as you mentioned, a couple of minutes of beating uh, the best team in the world as far as the rankings and the current holding of the trophy goes.
5: Yeah, look, he has done a fabulous job. Ingham were in disarray um, with Eddie Jones' departure. They had been going backwards for a couple of seasons under Jones anyway. Steve Borswick had a rescue job more than anything else. And once again, his deep set and bone-deep knowledge of the English game, what works, where the skill set lies for that team in particular, you know, that's expert coaching. He got them confident. Gave them that confidence, gave them that belief. And yeah, as you say, mate, they're two minutes away from being in a World Cup final. And that, that is quite remarkable, considering where they started from.
0: For, for you, Andre Pollard on the bench straight away. I was, like, I understand that he was a late call-in. But for me, I, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't start him. Uh, they obviously had a had a plan for it. And they called an audible at, at 30 minutes. That's a hooking. That's not a game plan. Um, sure. uh, were you surprised they didn't start with him? And uh, what did you make of the difference once he came on the field?
5: Yeah, look, I, I think they, they do like Marnie Lubbock because he offers just something a little bit extra-dimensional than, than maybe Hondo Pollard does. Uh, what Pollard does is fabulous, of course. Mm. If that's the game plan you want to play. But, you know, Lubbock started that game. And, and look, I, I think it might have always been the plan to do so, uh, but the conditions weren't his conditions. Uh, it was atrocious weather. It was wet-weather rugby. It was going to take accuracy from the boot, and that's something in Lubbock's game that's not as good as Pollard's. Um, and, ultimately, I think they got to that 30-minute mark and said, well you know what you go to the crack it's not working I actually commend the coaches for doing that hard on the player but when yeah. something's not working make a decision act on it fast and let's not forget mate they're, they're slowing everyone off early they make most substitutions at the earliest time in the game
0: yep that's true they they do. There's been a, a lot of subs being uh, made out of uh, South Africa. and their bench game plan is uh, a particularly interesting one uh, as well. Obviously, um, the, they're the only team in World Rugby that thinks uh, backup hookers are, are an option uh, rather, than a, <laughs> rather than a rather than a requirement. But the, here they are. Where now, the the path that they uh, the two sides took to get there might have had a few uh, bumps along the road, but uh, many people predicted this to be the uh, the decider. Could could you ask for a bit of rivalry to finish uh, finish this off? How do you see um, first of all the week panning out? Because we know there will be varying degrees of pressure, and I find uh, I find it really interesting to watch how teams react uh, in that scenario. I, don't, I think it all comes down to what you do, of course, when the whistle starts. But I think it will be very uh, a very respectful week, is my opinion. I don't expect a lot of fuses to be lit. Yeah, it's, I
5: mean, I was thinking about this yesterday. Actually, I mean, loves to be to make a bit of mischief. Uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll start something during the week. Whether Foster takes the bait or not, I, I don't know. I don't think he will. He's shown throughout this World Cup that he's pretty composed to uh, those mind games. Um, look, you know, the All Blacks look confident, don't they? They look like they've found their groove. They look like they've settled into their teamwork. They understand their game plan. They're playing it well. They're scoring tries. Uh, you know, they're showcasing their athletic ability. The South Africans have had to get through two one-point wins to get to this final And, you know, one thing I know about the Saskens is they are just imbued with self-belief. You know, this Calvinistic, Afrikaans attitude amongst certain players uh, that permeates this team. Uh, They're brick walls when they want to be, and they're fully blinkered, and they will have no doubt, and they'll have supreme belief in their ability to go out and beat the All Blacks. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how both teams react and how both teams recover. The All Blacks will certainly have an easier recovery than the Springboks, and they've got that extra day I think that will count for a lot.
0: Yeah, the, the, at this stage, I mean, eight-day recovery. Geez, what a luxury that is to go into a uh, into yeah. a final. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you, do you think that the performance that we saw from uh, from South Africa that they have I don't want to say they've got an edge, but if the weather is to turn to custard uh, come the the final, that it's going to be a, a major factor uh, that have they've had a game like yeah. that against England under their belt, whereas let's face it, Argentina did certainly posed questions, uh, and the All Blacks had the right answers, but it, it it becomes an extraordinarily different game plan if that's the case.
5: Yeah, it does. I, I still think I look at this All Blacks side now, and, and I think their set piece is the best in the tournament. Um, you know, something that a lot of people haven't really mentioned. I think people have fallen back on cliches that, uh, you know, the European sides are better scrums, better line outs. It's just custard. That's not the truth at all. New Zealand's line out is, is hugely affecting South Africa's looks in disarray at times in that test match. Uh, the scrum's going great. Um, you know, and I think that if you look across that 1 to 23 for the All Blacks, there's just perhaps a little bit more skill in certain positions. Uh, but in saying that, you know, that if the weather's good and it's a nice night in Paris and you get Arensa, Willemsa, uh, Cheslin Colby into the game, Billy LaRue off the bench, and Jesse Creel uh, operating in midfield, you know, it's a tough night out for the All Blacks as well. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very even contest for me, but I would have to say to you, Sam, right here, right now, that, that I think the All Blacks should go into this as and quite firm favourites too.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so intriguing. I, it, I mean, uh, I had a uh, an Australian German watching the, uh, who's based in England, uh, watching the uh, the game with me uh, on that semi final uh, from South Africa, and yeah. he was say, "Well, why why is New Zealand so worried about South Africa? Didn't you guys smash them in the championship?" I said, well, "Yeah, but yeah, that, that doesn't fill us with confidence." He looked at me with this puzzled look, like, "Why not? Isn't that isn't that like the a marker that if you can beat them in crunch games?" And, and I looked at talk about the Twickenham game. He's like, "Was that a big game?" So no, but you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> we're complex people, yeah. okay? We're complex oh, I people.
5: Well, you know, but that's ancient history now, isn't it? Um, it is you know, no one's gonna be talking about that I'm two weeks out from the World Cup, no one wants to be there, let's be honest. Yeah. Um yeah, and look you know, so have a history in World Cups. Um, you know, certainly we go back to 1995. I was just going to show that time we within about thousands. Um, and, you know, they found a way to win, right? That Serb side. And I know it's a long time ago, but you know, no one ever get within two of the All Blacks. And they found a way. So Took a bit of extra time and a drop goal or two, but they found a way. And that's going to be, I think, the motivation.
0: No, I'm with you, uh, Scotty. I think it's it's, uh, it's prime for a massive, absolutely massive weekend. Cannot wait. Really grateful for your time and uh, all your wonderful work so in the uh, during the World Cup as well. It's been amazing. So so congrats on uh, that and thanks for bringing it uh, to us by SNZ throughout the tournament. Uh, appreciate you so
5: much, Sam. Thank you. So so I'm walking up a hill, so that's why I'm probably out of
0: breath as well. So <laughs> we'll leave you be, Scotty. Uh, good luck with that, mate. You're <laughs> going better than me. Uh, so, I, I, look, Taking a public holiday walk up the hill, uh, smart move uh, in the eyes of some. Uh, for me, I uh, prefer the more sedentary uh elements of, of a day off personally. The, the concept of, of doing that, but I do have uh, a 10 year old, uh, a six year old, and a three year old who'll be ready to. Um, I'm, I guess, I mean, I'm my guess, I'm being dragged to a beach or uh, used as a human jungle gym, so uh, I guess I'm just conditioning myself slowly mentally for that but some great points uh raised by uh by sumo on the way there so it's i'm intrigued by this game uh do you think new zealand deserves to start as favorites what do you think new zealand is the favorites against south africa in a world cup final if i told you that at the start of the year you would have slapped me silly you would have said absolutely no way how could that but this this team could they do that does this team does this all that team on current form we're talking about this tournament here and what we've seen for them do they deserve to start as favorites ahead of South Africa. Does that sit comfortably with you? Is your confidence level that high uh, that you think that this box team is going to have to stand in line behind New Zealand and produce something big to make that result happen? It's intriguing. It really is. It's absolutely intriguing. I can't wait to see how this one pans out. And I want to hear from you as well on double eight double three. Of course, you can uh, give us a call uh, if you'd rather as well. You can call us on 0800 150 811. Welcome back to the show, uh, and we uh, we asked uh, about your thoughts about the All Blacks uh, game. We've got uh, John's called through from Auckland. G'day, John. What what did you make from the weekend?
3: Yeah, um, I thought it was a good performance, quite clinical with the All Blacks. Uh, just looking forward to this weekend's game, the final. Actually, there's two games. There's a third place game as well. Which no one wanted to be in. Um, right.
0: but I've, I've i've been i've been to them before john i went to watch the uh the <laughs> all blacks play in one in 2003 when i was covering uh that tournament uh for three news at the time and it it, it was a bludger it was an, it's, on, it's it's yeah. punishing it, it's it's okay if it's two teams that uh, you know have uh, kicked above their weight to play in that game, and uh, there you are. You know, mm. you good, good on you. Know, let's celebrate and have a bit of fun with it. Uh, but when it's teams that were genuinely expecting to be in the final, that can be it. It was, it was, it was depressing. In fact, it was so <laughs> depressing that the English oversung uh, the the sung sweet chariots throughout the whole of it, which made me think that all the English supporters that came to Australia for that tournament expected their team to be in that playoff, <laughs> so they bought tickets for it.
3: <laughs> well, the tickets must have been only ten bucks, mate.
0: Probably
3: no one wanted to show up. It was but anyway, so
0: just,
3: just on um, the, the final this weekend, I think, um, you know, I spoke to the boys this morning. I I don't want to jinx it, but I think South Africa may be just spent in terms of emotionally, physically. They've had two huge games, and they shouldn't have won that game, but they did, and that's the class of the team. Uh, near neighbor and Rassi, uh this will probably be their last TCS Springboks um, coaches, so they'll want to go out on a high. Um, but just watching the All Blacks and how they've come through, you know, the pool stages and the quarterfinals, which was like a final, they they just seem to be getting better. And dare I say that they're peaking at the right time, um, which is, you know, just clinical New Zealand. But, um, yeah, I think they'll win. I think they'll win 12, maybe 13 plus. I'm, I'm actually that confident. Um, but just quickly, because you're a rugby league man, I'm here, and I, I'm actually a rugby league man. Just on the Kiwis, um, I'm, I'm thinking because Australia looks like they'll give some of their other players a go this weekend because they
0: know they're in the final and there's another game to come. Do you reckon the Kiwis might do that? I think they may. I think they may because it's a squad. It's a squad game, right? And you've you've got if you're bringing in uh, some of these players like uh, Woodward, McGregor and, and whatnot, who are uh, part of the the squad, you want them to experience it that said that said after watching the new zealand a game and then watching uh the the kiwis i i had, I had a moment of thinking i wonder if these guys if they've got if, if in Maguire's head he's got his 17 or maybe an 18 with this mm-hmm. with a couple of switches here and there and the others are there for backup if required because they've got to run right they've got to be part of new zealand a mm-hmm. and then be part of this yeah. so they're not necessarily short on game time and exposing them against australia uh, can be beneficial give me a, a test at that level to really understand what's being played and understand the level it needs to be at but it's only three tests it's not a, a grueling yeah. long campaign yes it is off the back of a long uh, nrl season but it wouldn't surprise me if mike mcguire has got his 17 or his, his planned adjustments and maybe maybe making a couple uh, positional switches potentially but I don't know. I don't I don't see necessarily a benefit in rolling this out. And I was, looking, I was saying to Graham Lowe earlier on uh, in the show as well. Uh, you can find that interview on the uh, SCNZ app later on. You can track down this New Zealand side down to a point now where you can say, well, can they beat the Kangaroos twice? twice. And I say, why not? Mm. Why Why can't they? Would beating them in, uh, and uh, putting out their best team, laying out a marker and beating them stop them from winning the final? I don't think so.
3: Well, just, just just quickly before I go, that um semi final last year we should have won. Ugh. And it was just a few errors in the end when the boys were spent. Um that really just shocked us. But we should have went through anyways. I wanna see that Nalfahu White start and also yep. um Neum. Neum, he needs to come Griffin, on. Griffin name, yep. great He's a is player. Yep. Yeah So I, yeah, I, that's I, me mate.
0: Mate, I'm with you. I've got no problems with those guys getting uh, test opportunities, but I don't know, I felt while watching the gamers and I wonder if we're just seeing uh, a first choice team rolled out. Imagine that in this day and age as well, John, the first choice choice team playing three tests in a row rather than uh, giving people people, uh, runs left, right and centre. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Appreciate your time, uh, John. And now Aaron's on the line as well. G'day Aaron and uh, the All Blacks, your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I, I just, I just think. What are your thoughts about, like, you know, obviously, the the All back coach has been under a hell of a lot of pressure for performance-wise, and and obviously, like that game against that's good we won't talk about it, but I feel that he's got them playing for each other now, like for example you got the example of like the warriors where they're starting to play for each other rather than individuals or relying on the Artie Severs or the Sam Caines or whatever i feel like they're actually like they've got a spine they're actually starting to play put plays rather than just kicking it hoping hoping it. they you know they're actually starting to have a bit of more structure to their game which is becoming It's becoming more watchable because a lot of people switched off when they're watching the All Blacks. They're going, "This is kind of boring rugby. There's not really excitement to it." And I feel like they're starting to to put the points on the games and also starting to to bring people back that weren't probably interested in watching it to to you know turning it all around. And also, it's obviously showing how good a coach the, the All Blacks coaches. Where a lot of people were like, "Oh, Robertson, you know, he should be there and make big changes," but. It's proven in history that that's never been the case. You bring in a new coach coach, and all of a sudden you get results, eh? And I just think there's a lot of resilience between that coach and what he's done with that side, eh? I think a lot of people don't realise how much he's turned that whole thing around, eh?
0: Aaron, you've got to give him credit. The entire entire rugby community, and I'm, I'm a slight exaggeration, but the bulk of it. Uh, was calling for yeah. his head, and no, no one expected him to carry on. Everyone thought this was a done yeah. deal, and uh, outside of his yeah. core supporters, people thought that was it and that, the wrong decision to be made. I tell you, the who'd never gave yeah. up on him and, and never thought that and it was the playing group. and It's very clear in how they're playing now. They were, they were adamant at the time. They were vocal. I always take that with a grain of salt, right? When a guy is currently your coach, yeah. you don't come forward in public yeah. and say, "Actually, we're, we're ready to move on," because a he keeps the job, yeah. you've lost your spot. Uh, and B, if, yeah. you do, if you do it, you look disloyal for the next coach. So I always take that with a grain of salt. But you can see there's a buy-in. Yeah. And I and I, I want to pull yeah. a parallel um back as well, Aaron, with this. Is I reckon I look back to um the 2011 NRL season for the Warriors. Now, Ivan Cleary yeah. moves on. He announces he's moving on because a deal that the, the Warriors yeah. couldn't match. The Warriors are running not yeah. they're running at the near the bottom of the table when they do that. Things aren't yeah. going well. So he announces this is it. Virtually every member of that squad was given their chances by Ivan Cleary, they owed Ivan their NRL career. And this was a, a, a go for broke, no no sign for the future, not worrying about what comes next. They literally put all the eggs in that basket and they wanted to do it for ivan and they got to the grand final oh yeah this team has wanted to do it for foster and for a lot of them as well this is their chance at a legacy Definitely. defining moment Definitely. too so I, i'm i'm Definitely. with you i think that ian foster's uh he doesn't get enough uh credit uh he got he got plenty of the uh the blame when things going wrong and a lot of it rightfully so there's some bad selections and some game uh bad game plans but he is peaking you Talk about the players peaking. he is peaking oh, with yeah. a game plan that's got Pretty them sure. here. They played, they played beautiful rugby i still think that the try that will jordan scored in the um in the the win over Ireland was one of the sexiest tries I've ever seen the all Blacks <laughs> scored all those all those bodies moving uh in motion the play everyone who had the ball had at least two other options they could have passed to that was a stop That yeah. was watching that play unfold going this is a team that is on song now I'm with you entirely Aaron it's it feels it feels good um to be here and Andrew Gordy made a point win lose or draw this is a success for uh Ian Foster to take them from where they were to where they are so Definitely, can. I, I, I'm um, with you, mate.
6: Just, um, just on, on it. Like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Wellington Lions fan, and and obviously they had a really good season, and obviously they fell at like the hurdles with the Hawks Bay, but Hawks Bay are, are quite a physical side. Um, what do you see? I mean, I see really, really good things coming out of like Wellington, of like the players that they're producing. Do you feel that like that um Robinson, Robert's been bringing in those three coaches, the Crusaders one, obviously him, and then the Wellington, uh, the Wellington one, and the Auckland one. Do you feel that? He will offer all these guys opportunities that are uh, kind of n- wouldn't really, you know. Like I mean, we lost pretty much a, a really good player that could be a Black, and Ben and Ben Lamb. You know, like he yep. just he's he just he just wasn't getting it. Do you think that players won't fall as much through the cracks as what they were doing with Foster and the other um, coaches? Do you think there's going to be opportunities there? Or Do you think he might favour the Crusaders a bit more, or what do you? Where, where, where you going? Where do you think he will his mind will be in regards to?
0: Lincoln. I reckon there's a, a mix of that, Aaron. Appreciate you call. Cool. the uh, the The whole point of um, of having Razor come in is he does bring a fresh view. He's very uh, right. the way that the way that he views <coughs> uh, rugby is is unique. And I think that he, he was loyal to his team, being the Crusaders. Absolutely. Yeah. But he's taken, yeah. I reckon he'll take that uh, the, a different view. Yes, there'll be players that he knows and trusts already, of course, from, from the Crusaders. Yeah. There they can't not be. But I think that he will and offer man. the opportunity to build a squad around the style and he will pick the players from around the country. I also think that he's right. a loyal coach. And once he has a, those core of players, he will oh. give them the chance that it's their spot to lose. I feel that. So I think you'll still see players fall through the cracks, but perhaps they won't oh. be the same players if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. there will be players who... New Zealand rugby's got too much depth. There's no way in the world that they can hold on to all those and then be able to push through. So uh, c- keep every player because you can't so keep them you, happy this and will, be winning.
6: Just, um, obviously, my last one will be, what do you see happening to Damien McKenzie? How long do you think he's going to wait to be a first-string player? Do you think he'll to go overseas and do, or do you think he'll re-sign? Do you think Robertson will take him on as a first-string? Because he'll obviously favour, uh, uh, you know... Um, uh, whatever his name is, uh, Mwanga, you know, like, so, is there, do you think that he has to make a decision for himself for his career very soon, just to see, because a lot of people said that he should be first string, you know, and all of these rugby shows have said that he should be first string, and there's you know, like, well, do you think that he's just in a situation where it's so hard to replace people or pull people out, he just ends up being that bench player?
0: Yeah, so Mac will be the um, the starting 10 for me uh, under Robertson, almost, uh guarantee, because uh, Moanga is going overseas on a three-year contract. So while he may be back for another World Cup, right now looks like the end of his test tenure. So uh, I definitely think he starts, and I think he's uh, ready for that opportunity. Really grateful for your time, mate. Thank you, Aaron. And we've got Brian on the line as well. Morning, Brian. Morning,
3: Aaron. Yeah, Very well, mate. I talked earlier about
1: knighthoods, you know, and I thought to myself, they're going to start issuing knighthoods out to coaches. What about Joe Schmidt and Ryan? Well, There's if you look...
3: Footprints, footprints are
1: all over this all performance. You know, you can say what you like about the coach being rejuvenated. He's still the most losing coach of all time in every team that he's ever been associated with. And I put it all down to Joe Schmidt and Ryan.
0: Yes, listen, I've no doubt that they have uh, major factors, uh, but I appreciate your call on this. And uh, you look at the uh, the assistance of uh, of the of uh, the 2011 sorry, uh, World Cup team, they're all Knights too. They did go on to have their own head coaching uh, success as well. So uh, uh, listen, I maintain that I think he'll be given a knighthood should he win, that's Foster. Many will argue he doesn't deserve it. We've already heard that uh, it's been put up uh, against against one uh, ed hillary can't see it myself as being a, the same comparison but knighthoods do go a little smoother than that but yep i take your point on absolutely those coaches have been crucial we'll take a break when we come back ronnie hero talking about the black caps welcome back to the show well the black caps are no longer unbeaten at the cricket world cup but it took the might of the home side being india to make that happen now i don't know about you I, i'm I, i've never I, I would never be in a situation ever where i would say i want the black caps to lose not ever but I'm not devastated by a loss to India at this stage uh, of the tournament. They won by four wickets with a couple of uh, overs to spare, uh, chasing down New Zealand's 273. There was enough for, it and for me to be excited about that this is a black cap side that's capable of, of winning now. We know that New Zealand can go well against India at a, a Cricket World Cup. Do you reckon any team's going to beat India twice? at this event that would be that will be staggering that's probably a greater achievement than winning the to- the uh, trophy itself to take a closer look uh, at this performance and uh, where the black Caps stand in this tournament right now uh, we're joined the line by our uh, former black cap and ronnie here a uh, uh, good morning to you ronnie and mate y- your thoughts on a loss to india no one can ever be uh know, yeah, it's not a <laughs> not a sign that you're going badly if you're losing to india in their backyard but th- the performance had some moments in it for me
7: Morning, mate. Morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, I think it did. I actually stayed up for a change and watched uh, the, the whole of the first innings. Um, it didn't didn't get off to the to the greatest starts, but uh, I think yeah, the back caps, as they do normally, showed quite a lot of character in fight and uh, put on a really solid partnership and, and I think posted an under-par score when you look at it. Yep. Um, and I think it fell away after Ravindra got out. Um, they couldn't seem to find a way to, to sort of kick on and get the, the three, 300, 300-plus 300 that they needed to be really competitive, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, but I want to talk about that uh, 273 and Devon Conway. We his his first uh, knock against England, obviously outstanding. I don't think he's under pressure with his spot, but I also don't think we've seen anything that resembles the best of of Devon since then. Certainly, a, a duck um, doesn't um, shouldn't as an opener. They happen every now and then. I'm not concerned for him uh, in a major way, but it, uh, we're used to a little bit more consistency from Devon Conway.
7: Yeah, I think we are. That's a pretty fair, I think, assessment to make at this stage. Um, probably four or five games in, and, and he's had a couple of decent knocks and, and a couple of ones that haven't gone so well. So I think there's still time, obviously, and hopefully he's going to be, you know, if he can have three or four more good knocks towards the end of the, the round-robin stage anyways and, and get the Black Caps to, to a semi-final, then I think, obviously, yeah, it's sort of knockout cricket from there and anything can happen. So I think, yeah, guys like him, guys um, like Mitchell, who's obviously playing quite well, uh, Rwinder, uh, those three in particular are, are playing pretty well and I think what the Black Caps do really well is they kind of share it around, like if it's not Conway's day then somebody else will stand up, if it's not Mitchell's day then somebody else will get runs, so I think in that regard, at least it's being shared around a bit, but yeah, we obviously want the guys at the top to be scoring a majority of the runs.
0: Yeah, and the 130 from uh, from Mitchell, you, you you watched it, you, you saw the date, uh, that was a it was combative uh, as you, uh, wickets falling around and he, and he held his nerve. It feels like now that we're getting uh, everyone within that top order, uh, even the injury through to uh, Kane Williamson. It was a very brief time we saw him before he uh, rejoined the uh, the rehab list. Everyone's got a start and everyone's showing that they can play in these conditions. That's going to be promising come the back end for every player there knows that they personally can get involved.
7: Yeah, totally, and and sort of guys putting their hands up at different times, um, and yeah, I guess in, in different situations, right, so you've got guys who've played a number of years or seasons and, and things like the IPL and, and had a lot of experience in India, but India... Against India, uh, with that crowd and, and also, you know, they, they know the conditions better than anybody else. Um, I think to post 273 and, and put a competitive score on the board and, and taking it quite deep into the, into the, the bowling innings, they can take some positives from it. But again, I think the, the biggest thing that they'll probably look at in reflection is, is the back sort of 10 to, to 13 overs that they probably didn't maximize in terms of wickets in hand and, and trying to make, you know, another 100 or another 80 runs in, in that period.
0: Yeah, look, uh, we, we've, we, we know any time that a, a game of cricket's played in, uh, in India or anywhere in the subcontinent, really, that someone's going to talk to you about uh, spin conditions. But uh, certainly at Dhamisala, the it was the, the quicks that really stood up. Uh, the, we know that, a, that the spin attacks can be uh, dominant in that situation. I know that's your favourite as well, Ronnie. Um, but the, the pace guys, uh, particularly Mohammed Sami, really, really stood up for India.
7: Yeah, and he hasn't been playing, so um, they, they made a change to their team India with um, their all-rounder Hardik Pandya getting injured, so they had to bring two different players in to replace him, so Shami was one of them and he hasn't played a game this tournament yet, so um, yeah, he's obviously been sitting on the sidelines waiting for his turn and he, and he bowled really well, um, but I guess between him and Siraj and, and again Bumrah at the end, I just, I just think we probably didn't have... The answers to try and uh, to try and combat them and, and post a, a really strong total. Um, I know that they'll be happy with the the comeback. I think they were nineteen for two, uh, and then to make two seventy in those conditions is, is good. Um, but yeah, those those three are a class act, and they have been for a long time for India.
0: Yeah, look, the only real window of opportunity came for uh, New Zealand when they uh, they uh, the, the Indians got off to a strong start of uh, seventy one. Without loss, and there was suddenly uh, 76 uh, for two. So th- there was a window, but those windows aren't open very long when one of the guys holding down the end is uh, Vrat Kohli. <laughs>
7: yeah, that is the problem, unfortunately, when you play someone <laughs> like there. Well, you get through someone like Rohit Sharma, and then you've got um, Stryber Gill at the other end, or you've got Kohli coming in. So, you know, you do need to take wickets and bunches, and I think you obviously need to front load those in the first, in the first 10 to 15 overs, if you can have the three or four down, it does sort of put pressure on the middle to late order. But um, unfortunately, yeah, when you've got class of Coley and Sharma and Gill and and a few others, uh, even Jadeja batting at sort of seven and eight, you know, it's a long line-up to get through. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to encounter them again, I'd say, if they want to win the tournament at least, um, either in a semifinal or, or
0: a final. So it's Australia next for New Zealand. I'm pretty sure uh, Australia have been well short, well short of the dominant side. Uh, this is knock over the Aussies, uh, and you're virtually in the in the semis. But you also can do a bit of a a death knell for the Aussies as well. This is a a huge opportunity in a week's time.
7: Yeah, I was wary about this. The the, the Black Caps did have somewhat of a favoured start to the tournament. Um, they had one big game out of the first four with England, and they obviously dominated them. Uh, which gave them some credit. But they did have um, some, some tougher opposition coming in the back end. So they obviously played India last night. They go to Australia, and they got South Africa coming up who are hot as well. So um, I guess the problem I see is, and it's kind of a numbers game, Australia have been playing poor, which means they're going to play well soon. <laughs> so, <Sorry. laughs> um, you know, I just don't want to run into them when they play well soon. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, like... Um, they're going to find a way to click, and, and I'm hopeful it's not against the Blackhawks and they can get the job done. But, yeah, the numbers do sort of uh, eventuate. You know, going to be, they're going to play a good game soon. Uh, I just hope they don't run into them when we play, when we play them.
0: Amen to that one. Uh, of course, the Aussies have got the Netherlands to go first, so hopefully uh, they can get a bit of good form and uh, a bit of uh, faux confidence out of the way there. But the Netherlands to beat South Africa, who beat Australia, so it is all on. Great tournament in that regard. Ronnie here, always grateful for your time. Great to talk, mate. No drama, sounds good one. Now, uh, give us your thoughts. Send us uh, through a text on the Temper Bedpost uh, text machine, 8833. Do you like the Black Caps chances? Did that loss do anything to affect you? Make sure you uh, give us your thoughts. Keen to know Temper and Bedpost's range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and your feet up in comfort we're lucky enough to be going into Kiwi's camp, now based in Melbourne, a, a long travel day uh, yesterday, so uh, to get an opportunity to speak to camp, we we're uh, hugely grateful for, uh, and the man uh, speaking to us is, uh, is one of the biggest units going around in that Kiwi side, big Griffin name, uh, Griffin, appreciate your time, uh, congratulations on the weekend, what What did that moment of uh, running out there in a Test match in New Zealand mean to you? Uh, you know, cheers, thanks for
8: having me. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, to be honest. Um, you know, I grew up watching all the Kiwi games and, um, you know, dreaming of doing that. Um, you know, I had to do it at a home game in Auckland as well and um, having my family in the stand was, you know, it was pretty,
0: something pretty special and I think I'll probably, um, you know, remember for the rest of my life. Well, it means a lot to a lot of people in the uh, the league community here in New Zealand as well. Uh, Griffin, you're you're well supported, uh, and your name's been thrown up by uh, passionate league fans for uh, for a while. Uh, and coming from uh, Greymouth as well, i mean, literally rugby league. Pumps through the veins uh, of of that community as well as they did. And wonderful to see them do so well uh, in the Heartland Rugby this year. But that was a um, a, a special time for uh, for a lot of people. I'm sure your family was up uh, as well. But yeah, knowing uh, the the history uh, of rugby league at, uh, in the West Coast, it's you're joining a very special group of people.
8: Yeah, yeah. Um, like you said, the, the history down on the West Coast is um, yeah, it's one of the best and. Um, yeah, I've been looking into it lately, and um, talked to a few of the older boys down in Greymouth, and um, yeah, they've told me all about it. And um, yeah, you know, nowadays it's sort of dying off in Greymouth, which is you know, pretty sad to see. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> to be able to you know, represent Greymouth on the highest, you know, highest honour of the Kiwis jersey is, you know, I I'm extremely proud of. And um, yeah, Greymouth will always be home to me, to be honest.
0: How was that the test level? You've obviously done, uh, you know, played some big games and have a uh, building up a real reputation for yourself uh, with the Cowboys. But stepping into their fight now, fifty nil uh, certainly on the scoreboard is a, is a, a dominant win. But uh, it didn't look like the uh, the Samon Ford <laughs> would let you guys feel dominant at all given points. They, uh, while you guys uh, aimed up and delivered, they came at you hard. Yeah, definitely.
8: Um, I- although the score was fifty 0 it definitely didn't feel like that out there. Um, yeah. They got such a great forward pack, and um, you yeah, know, they're not small either, they're all big boys and um, yeah, it was definitely a step up from it, uh, NRL. NRO, you know, it's a test match footy and um you know, I've always wanted to take that step up and um, you know, try to see how I go and push myself. Um but, you know, this weekend's gonna be even a bigger task with Australia. Um, you know, they got they're the best team and um we want to go take it away from them.
0: Yeah, it's look, it's definitely a step up. Um, and uh you, know, you mentioned as a child, you grew up watching that black jersey and, and having those dreams. 99 percent of those dreams, I imagine, were standing there with the uh, the kangaroos across from you.
8: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I grew up in a household where we we hated the kangaroos. Um, yeah, we were die hard Kiwi fans, and um, yeah, I remember all the you know, the Anzac tests and ones like that, the big ones against kangaroos and. Um, yeah, this is this is the the big game that I'm really looking forward to, and um, yeah, this is the one that I yeah I can't wait to play.
0: Who are you uh, who are you rooming with is a lot of obviously uh, experienced head, but some uh, new boys like yourself. Would do you get put in with an experienced uh, campaigner, or do they like to keep the new boys together?
8: Uh, yeah, last week in Auckland I was with um, Big Nelson.
0: Um, he was good. Yeah, he's a part
8: of our leadership group now. And, um yeah, he was he was good for me and giving me a few tips here and there. <clears throat> um, but well, this week I'm with uh William McGregor, so we were together at the Cowboys a few years ago. So um yeah, it's good to link up with him again and
0: Yeah, it's been good. It must be such a welcome relief knowing that there's a you uh, Nelson is off of so I might not be on the field and you don't have to tackle him as well, Chris, and That guy's a monster.
8: Definitely, um, he's hard to tackle with training,
0: and um, I couldn't imagine
8: what it's like being on the other side of him. I um, had to verse him a couple of times against Melbourne, um, but yeah, I guess Test 40, he'd probably take his game to another level, and um, yeah, I'm glad he's on our team.
0: A lovely fella, but uh, he, he just he just has no chill on the football field, does he? I mean, I, I, he he was part of a, a junior Kiwis uh, side that actually had a an opposed session against the uh, the the Kiwis on a game uh, building up for a game in Brisbane. I think it's about twenty fifteen. Can't can't remember. But he was going so hard against the Kiwis that someone had to go on the field and tell him to. To settle down because these senior boys have got, got a test match to play in a couple of days. He yeah. just, he, he is just. I call him the human eclipse as well. He's just a monster. But there's a lot of size in this pack, uh, and, you, and you're led by a guy like James Fisher Harris who uh, has had leadership qualities in his career, but leadership now thrust upon him. How is he going as a captain? How is he, you know, bringing this uh, this Ford pack together as a unit?
8: Yeah, he's been awesome. Um, yeah, he's he's one of those guys that. Um, you know, he, he leads by his actions and, um so he just leads by his actions and um yeah you know, he's not he's not scared about who's in front of him and um you know he's got that mindset of you know, he's, he's the best player in the competition and it's you know, something I want to look up to and um yeah you can just see in his eyes that he's really hungry and he wants to he wants to make this New Zealand team the best team in the world and um yeah I'm happy to be a part of it and um, I think we've got a good group here that can you know, really do something, especially in our forward pack.
0: Uh, speaking to Griffin, name out of the Kiwis camp. And Griffin, there's always a uh, thought of, um, externally from the Kiwis camp. It's like, oh, well, look, this game doesn't matter because you're playing in the final anyway. And what would your response be uh, to those who say this isn't a test match that uh, amounts to anything?
8: <laughs> um, yeah, you know, every every game's big, especially when we play Australia. You know, they've been the best team the last few years, and, um, you know, we want to change that. and um but we're going to take each game one step at a time and um you know we haven't really thought about next weekend we'll just worry about this game in melbourne and um yeah you know, hopefully we can win it and then we'll go to hamilton and we'll hopefully win again um but yeah it's going to be a big task and i think we're all looking forward to it really
0: yeah i don't want to look past this game for you at all but you know knowing that the final will be on new zealand soil uh that must be something you guys have are pretty excited about as a concept
8: yeah definitely um you know, Rugby league's, you know, rising in New Zealand, and um, the way the Warriors went this year, you can see how much it means to the people in New Zealand, and um, you know, we just want to keep doing what the Warriors have done this year, uh, make the Kiwis the best team in the world, and uh, I think if we can do that, then um, rugby league's just going to take off to a whole other level in New Zealand. And, um, you know, there's plenty of talent there, as you can see with our team, and um, yeah, it's going to be a big game, and hopefully all the Auckland, Auckland people and Island people are there to watch us.
0: Now, I know we love to uh, emulate uh, stars from the past and, and bring that through, but, yeah, and, and Joey Manu, I mean, golden boot winner, amazing. What did you guys think of his a, a desire to um, replicate St. Bill Williams and go shirtless during uh, during a game? I think that's the longest anyone's been uh, active in taking hit-ups in a, in a test match without a shirt in a while. <laughs>
8: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty crazy, actually. It was pretty funny, I mean, um, but, yeah, you could... You could hear how much the crowd enjoyed it and the crowd just roared as soon as it happened. And um, Yeah, I guess he loves getting his, um, the ball in his hands and he's got no shirt on i don't think they're stopping him either uh, but uh, i thought about say he loves to getting the
0: guns out. i thought he loved loved getting the guns out i were going to say griffin and listen if i had a physique like that you'd, i'd be allergic to t-shirts too and i tell you what my wife was watching at the time and she thinks uh, we definitely have to be at the hamilton games <laughs> off the back of that so hey listen uh, as a nation very proud uh, to see you guys get up uh, against samoa like that and cannot wait to watch the kiwis and the kangaroos renew that rivalry You don't need to be told how special it is. Uh, The last time uh, the two sides met the World Cup was just a phenomenon and we can expect a fortnight of wonderful rugby league in that regard. Uh, So uh, thanks for your time again, Griffin. Really appreciate you making some uh, moments for us after a big travel day yesterday and getting up early to talk to us. Thank you very much, mate. No, cheers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Griffin Neiman, absolute uh, legend coming through, and if you uh, aren't following his game, just know for a fact that uh, this is a man on the rise, part of a very strong Kiwi side, getting bigger and bigger as time goes on. I, I'm, I, I've am thought with a few of those defections we had in the Ford pack, a few retirements, a few unavailabilities, that we might see a, a Kiwi side that was somewhat struggling to be able to hold this, uh, but the, the, every every time someone comes through, and takes it to another level. There's such a depth in this Kiwi side that Sir Graham Lowe was talking about earlier in the show as well. So, yep, yeah, I'm I'm excited. It'll be a big week, uh, and uh, having the World Cup final on the same time as uh, same weekend as New Zealand taking on Australia in league. That is as good a double header as you can hope for. Cannot wait to see that one planned up. I cannot wait to see that. So uh, coming up after the break, we've got a lot more to get through here on your Labour Day edition of Mornings. Uh, We've got uh, Martin Dawson will be talking to us from New Zealand Squash uh, about their inclusion in the the Olympics as of uh, the following cycle. Looking forward to that. Victoria Edgell will talk about the Silver Ferns, a crunch game coming up today against the Aussies. We do love those contests. And Black Ferns assistant coach Steve Jackson will join us as well. We'll have a a chat about that first test of WXV and where they go for the next couple. It is an intriguing time for women's rugby. Looking forward to that. Stay with us and don't forget to send us through your text on double eight double three. Keen to hear your thoughts as we go as well. Strip yourselves in for another big one on the other side of this break. Welcome to the show. It's been a jam-packed one so far, and we are thrilled to have your company uh, here on Labor Day. I know there's uh, plenty of other ways that can pull you, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time to be part of us. And if you're about to uh, head off and enjoy your day someplace else, don't forget you can take us with you on the SCNZ app as well, or listen to us uh, on your mobile. Uh, if you need to get out, do some gardening, do some uh, do some painting, make adv- making the most of the uh, the time... Uh, you can definitely whack us in the old AirPods uh, and be part of uh, us as well. Listen, we had a few texts through on the text machine. We were talking about uh, the cricket earlier on with Ronnie Hera. Dean's text in to say our fielding was as good as it can be. I agreed that beating India twice would be impossible. Make the semifinals and anything is possible. That's, I, I completely agree. Uh, this is not a, a, a problem for the New Zealand side as it stands. So if they're going to be in that scenario of a lost India now, but still being able to show they can rack up a few runs, as Ronnie here said, maybe a a bit short of uh, the expected or reasonable target there. They know what to do now, should they meet India again. The discussion around uh, the knighthoods, potential knighthood of uh, Ian Foster. Imagine that, Sir Ian Foster, after everything that's happened in the past four years. Should the All Blacks win themselves a a World Cup? We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if that happens, a lot of people are, uh, you know, Making the comparison, well, is he on the same stage as uh, Sir Edmund Hillary? Well, if you can go through the list of New Zealand Knights and say that they're all on par with Ed Hillary, good luck to you because Ed Hillary is a, a cut above virtually everybody, let's be fair. Uh, so there is a bit of uh, conjecture around that. Uh, Tim from the O9 is, uh, is messaging, saying if anyone is going to get a knighthood, it should be Nick Gill. He has this team hunting. Nick Gill has been an underrated, uh, successful, uh, and he's been given a lot. He gets his plaudits, but what uh, Nick Gill and people in the roles like Nick Gill do are, are pretty phenomenal. It just be, what they're able to achieve for, um, for their teams and how they can change things around uh, absolutely absolutely incredible and it's just some breaking news coming through as well now i'm literally coming across this as uh, just come through andrew webster the coach of the one new zealand warriors has been locked in for another three years a three-year contract extension for the man that has turned this team around wow what a great announcement it is for the uh for the Warriors, the deal means that the forty-one-year-old DLEM coach of the year now set to equal the longest coaching tenure in the club's history of six seasons. This is a big deal, a massive deal. He was, of course, already had a few seasons uh, to come. It's not like we we're about to lose uh, lose him along the way. But Andrew Webster is locked in as the coach of the Warriors through to 2028. We'll look to get onto that one a little bit later on. Absolutely no question, but we turn our attention now to uh, the Black Ferns and the start of uh, the WXV, the tier one uh, competition uh, here in New Zealand. It was a great weekend uh, of uh, women's rugby being held in Wellington and just short the Black Ferns by a solitary point against France. And what was an absorbing encounter from two sides that have got a great history of playing each other. and. Uh, If that is the benchmark to follow, we can be in for a a very encouraging fortnight of footy to come not the result that the black ferns would have wanted and some are saying not the performance uh, that you expect from the world champions but that's their first test through in this competition and to get the thoughts now uh, on the result and where things are going uh, in this tournament we're joined on the line now by assistant coach of the black ferns and steve jackson appreciate your time steve uh, that was a, a tense encounter the two sides there was a barely struck match in it when you last met and the same goes this time
9: yeah, look, thanks, Sam. Good to be on. Um, yeah, no, it was intense. Um, you know, and I think um, go, could have gone either way. Um, you know, but extremely proud of the efforts to try and get ourselves back into the game. Um, you know, and got to give credit where credit's due. France defensively were were outstanding on the on the weekend, and you know we knew it was going to be a tough test, and um, we certainly got that. Um, you know, and it's. Uh, it's a good benchmark for us now that we've played you know, France and coming from those European teams and, um, after playing our Pac-4 series and then a couple of games against Australia. So, um, you know, we knew that they were going to come hard and, and we were expecting that um, and we tried to fight fire with fire but um, we didn't get the outcome in the any- end.
0: There was uh, some moments of the game of, of just, just the running rugby options were uh, pretty phenomenal, and uh, I, it's, we need to give France the credit when when their uh, attacking opportunities came, they really took it. There was a as a lot of uh, a lot of enterprise and uh, what they threw at you, and uh, in, in general, I think a good job was done. But as it turned out, towards the end, uh, some of those moments were telling.
9: Yeah, exactly exactly and i think you know if we look back at the game um and as we've discussed and all of our players are well aware and it's something that we're working really hard on is you know, um, you know our handling and passing under pressure and and trying to go multiple phases um you know they did that really well they turned the ball over um, got got intercept and then and scored that first try you know after periods and periods of pressure from us um, so again, like they defended really well, and then they got another opportunity at the scrum time, and, and did a nice little short play um, that we didn't really recover from. Um, but again, you know, we were well aware of the mistakes that we made. You know, our forward rolled their sleeves up like we asked them to, and got into their work. And you know, defensively around around the ruck, we were really really strong. But just in certain times and, and parts of the game where you know we turned the ball over or lost the ball through an unforced error. Um, so we've got to be better at that and you know, we've spoken about that yesterday and this morning and moving forward into this Welsh game. Um, we need to make some slight adjustments and, you know, and where we can relieve pressure from ourselves you know, to give our forwards a break um, and, and get into our kicking game because we know we've got a good running game. Um, but just how we balance that um, throughout the game
0: in different parts of the field absolutely listen there was is uh, a lot of intensity uh, in that game. what What's your take on uh, the discipline of the side throughout the game? Obviously it was a uh, a red card with that head-to-head contact from uh, Chris Felo was it, it became a, an obvious decision uh, once it was reviewed. Uh, but there was you know, the, would you see that as a turning point within the context of of the game?
9: Yeah, look, I mean, you never want to go down to 14 players and, no. and um, you know, we've really hard in terms of our body height around the breakdown um, and also defensively within the tackle so that we don't get ourselves into those um, you know situations where, you know, you can, um, you know, tackle high or, you know, become head-on-head, you know, and we don't really want red cards, so we've trained that really, really well and it's just, you know, unfortunate for Chrissy She got that part of it wrong. And um, you know, then we went down to 14 players, but look, I think, you know, um, leading up to that, um, you know, some silly errors from ourselves. We were putting ourselves under pressure and giving France the ball. And, what, and when France did get the ball, what they did was it was really good. They were really clinical. Um, they kicked them behind us. They, you know, they had the ability to keep the ball alive and, and they took their opportunities. Um, but we did extremely well in that last period. Um, you know, with only 14 players to get ourselves back into the game, and then we just made a couple of little mistakes. Um, you know, slight adjustments. You know, depth from for our ball carriers off the ruck, just to get a little bit deeper. I mean, France put a lot of line speed. Um, they zero rucked and took their ruck opportunities really, really well, and um, they identified it every now and then um, the opportunity that presented. They'd uh, get over the ball. Um, so we've just got to be a little bit more smarter around our ball carrier and, um, and our clean getting there a little bit quicker. Um, so, you know, I think hopefully you'll see a better performance in terms of those areas of our game on Saturday against Wales.
0: I was thoroughly impressed um, with the... Uh, there was an intensity throughout that match uh, consistently. And I'll tell you what, I'm a massive fan of the concept of uh, WXV. Uh, how, how is it being received Within the camp of knowing that it's not just test matches, but something that has uh, that brings the the international teams together, and something that resembles uh, the international competitions you see uh, overseas, as far as it's uh, uh, sort of the men's game, where there is uh, a lot of uh, not just a series or a one-off game here and there, but a, a collection of games that uh, lead to something. This is a, a strong step forward, in my view, from World Rugby. Oh, I
9: totally agree, Sam. Well oh, look, it's an it's an outstanding tournament. Um, and it's great for us because then you're competing against the the top teams around the world. Um, and for us, you, you end up being in a tournament-like situation. Although it's only three games, but you got, you've got to step up week in and week out. You know, and the, and the pressure that that puts on us, not just at training, um, but in the games as well. It's you know, it's, it's massive learning for our players. You know, so it's great. You know, like we were so excited when that when it was announced, knowing that we play our pack four and then come into this. You know it's fantastic because again, as you said, around the intensity of the game, like that game was far more intense than probably what our girls um, have played since the World Cup. You know, it was physical, it was fast. Um, you know, and there were some big collisions in that in that game. So for us, like it's a, it's it's really really exciting, mate, um, to have that opportunity, and you know we're just thankful really, um, to be able to have, you know, putting ourselves up against these teams um, each year, especially moving into a World Cup later on. um, This will give us the ability to sort of just see
0: where we're at, see where our game's at, um, and see where we're comparing to the rest of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, As you mentioned, Wales next. Uh, So it's to Dunedin next, isn't it? Then it's on to uh, Auckland against... Uh, against the english uh it's it, it's great to have uh, this week to week kind of uh, level of competition uh and to test yourself out in these these mini tournament styles what becomes the focus uh against wales wales lost to uh, to canada in their match but what what does the uh, black ferns need to focus on and um, can we guarantee you guys can be in a black jersey again please <laughs>
9: yeah unfortunately we lost the toss mate and, yeah and the, i know the white <laughs> but um yeah look um, you know, I think, again, just touching on the tournament, what it does for us as well, it creates really good competition within our group week in or week out. Um, it's not one where, you know, we're selecting teams to, to give player every player a game. You know, we want to create that um, competition so that selections up for grabs on the Thursday when we go into our contact sessions um, and players are really putting their hands up. Um, and everyone's on edge, you know, there's you know high anxiety levels in, within the group because, you know, selection is based around, for those that aren't playing, it's, it is what you do in the, on the, in the training. So um, it's been really, really good for us. And then on the, you know, looking looking towards Wales, you know, there's as I said, around our skill execution and a few other things and, and getting our kicking game right, you know, that's on us. So there's been a massive focus this week. It'll be on tidying up the areas that we need to tidy and focus on ourselves a lot. But then understand that you know Wales, you know they do present some special little plays at line-out time. You know they go for 80 minutes, and you know we're not taking them for granted because Canada beat them. And we've beaten Canada before, and that's a good thing about this tournament as well. Is that you know at any given time, you know some team can get up and step up and rise to the occasion because you know it's a lot bigger than what you know, most teams have already played. So you know we're under no illusions. They've got a good kicking game. You know they they're nine kicks a lot. Um, so early in the backfield we're going to have to be really, really good, we're going to have to be on our game, um, we're going to have to move and get in behind the ball and support um, you know, our back three um, and then obviously with the ball that we do get, we need to cherish it and make sure that we're making the right decisions when we have it, um, not outworking our forwards you know, forwards doing the work up front, but then you know, understanding when to pull the trigger and go um, or play field position and put pressure on when we get down inside their, inside their half, so Look, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, we're going to we will be playing in the black jersey this week. The we also be in red, so there'll be no um, conflict there. Um, but yeah, we know it's going to be a tough game, um, and you know we're looking forward to the challenge.
0: Now, uh, I'm well aware uh, that they're very separate teams, but uh, you guys are uh, uh, rugby lovers like uh, the rest of the country. Uh, All Blacks into a, a World Cup final. Um, must be an exciting buzz for uh, the team there too because I know there is a strong connection being built, uh, stronger and stronger as time goes on between uh, the uh, the Ferns and the All Blacks. So it uh, must be a little bit of a buzz knowing that's, uh, that rugby's on a, a high at the moment. Oh,
9: my. Outstanding. Like...
0: You know, we were sitting in the breakfast and,
9: you know, we've got it on the big screen and, you know, people yelling and um, yahooing and oh, look, it's just amazing what the All Blacks have been able to do over that World Cup. You know, I suppose, you know, we take a little bit out of that. You know, we lose to France in the, by one point. But it only makes you better and we'll get better and better and look what the All Blacks have achieved. You know, I'm, you know I think I'm, it's the same as the rest of New Zealand, you know, riding behind everything that have done and I think Fozzie's done an outstanding job with this group to get them up. Um, the type of rugby that they're playing, it's exciting. Even if you didn't like rugby, you, you're on the edge of your seat and um, you're cheering for them. So you know, go go the All Blacks all day, mate. Um, you know, we'll be sitting there Sunday morning, getting ready to go and watching them, and uh, hopefully it'll be after we've had a good victory against um, Wales. So look, mate, absolutely stoked. The only problem is, mate, is we probably can't have a beer
0: because we're still in tournament week and we've got training in that afternoon. <laughs> Glad you keep keeping it professional. I uh, appreciate your time, uh, Steve Jackson. <laughs> really, look, Go well with the, uh, the Black Ferns. Great to see them uh, getting a chance to also play around the country, it must be said as well, because that wonderful moment for uh, the Black Ferns uh, at the World Cup was predominantly held in, in Auckland. So to be able to play in places that aren't uh, that, to share that Black Ferns love is very special. Really grateful for your time and go well. Yes, Sam, appreciate it. Steve Jackson there, and now we mentioned earlier the uh, the breaking news that Andrew Webster has extended his contract uh, with the Warriors through to twenty twenty eight, the end of the twenty twenty eight season. What an absolute coup for the club! And we're joined on the line now by one New Zealand Warriors chief executive and Cameron George. Uh, appreciate your time uh, this morning, Cameron. What a, a phenomenal! fact about a lock away like this. We know he it, it was under contract for a couple of years already, so it's not like we're in danger of losing Andrew Webster. What, why the movement to lock in what will be? Become uh, equaling the longest tenure as a coach at this club.
10: Oh, look, it just fits perfectly. Um, you know, he's signaled to us his desire to stay long term. We've obviously had the same uh, share the same belief in that. Um, I think the other important thing is we've invested significantly in our development and pathways programs headed up by Andrew McFadden and his staff, and to have stability in the head coaching role for a long term allows those guys to sell uh, the belief of what Webby's instilling uh, right through to our, you know, Anderson and Harold match team that start their careers next year. So um, it's a really good signal to those kids coming into our system. Uh, it's a great signal to the current players and the future players and all of our fans and sponsors. Um, we're a club that we, we lost home and we missed home and now we're back and we're making our new home and, and this is all part of the strategy.
0: You won't find, I imagine, a solitary person complaining about this. He's, he's done, look, for those of us who uh, had the opportunity to know uh, Andrew Webster when he was at the club as his assistant coach, he, he was he's well known within the club. But his pub, the way that the, uh, the the sporting public in New Zealand has, has fallen in love with him over the season is pretty phenomenal too. He's he's done an incredible job of proving himself as not just a coach, but as a, as a bloke as well, the type of person that can be followed whether you're in that team or you're on the outer looking in.
10: Yeah, he's a, he's a terrific character. um, couple of the fact that he does know his stuff about footy and, and, <laughs> that and helps. can coach. But most yeah, but most importantly, it is his off-field um, attributes that I, I really enjoy. Um, and, and that is the way in which he goes about his business and how he relates to players, young and old, um, experienced, not experienced, a uh, staff around him. Uh, just in the business in general. And that's a really critical component to, you now from where I sit and, and the relationship I have with him. And, and mate, I suppose in, in good times, um, you know, everyone everyone looks good. Yep. But the thing I do know personally from my relationship with Webby, and we'll have these times, and what I want to talk about is tough times and hard times, and we'll have them, no doubt. But there's no better bloke I want to go through those than him and his role. I know he'll carry as well during those periods. Um, and not just be a, a good winner. Uh, I know he'll be a, a really solid, um, you know, I don't want to say loser, but a really solid person during those tough times which every club goes through and no doubt will endure, endure more during his career here. But that's the important part that is really critical to me. Is those times when they arise, that's when good leadership stands up.
0: And there's, a, there's a, an S word that's not used around the uh, the, the Warriors uh, too often, as well, Cam, that, that can be thrown out here, which is particularly rare stability. A stable looking squad, stable looking front office, and now a locked in, very comfortable looking coaching staff as well. I mean, the, the Warriors aren't going to rest on your laurels, I'm sure, but having stability at the moment with the, a situation where people are clicking together, all these elements of the, uh, the club are working together, this is uncharted territory. Yeah, look, and you
10: know, um, you've been around the traps for a fair while and and you know, when there's stability in any organisation and in whatever industry, it sort of breeds momentum and success ultimately. But um, in our backyard, you know, we've had the chance to reset our whole what we're about, what we stand for, who we are, and Webby's come in at the start of that. And to now carry that forward uh, on an extended contract. Um, is really pleasing for everyone concerned. And you're right, um, the more stable we can be as an organisation, I'm uh, sure there's going to be changes here and there, no doubt, but we're only making changes for the good. We're not making changes that are questionable. We're making changes that will only make the club better. And uh, that's with staff, players a lot. So this is another one, uh, but it does add that stability, which allows everyone to gain the momentum they, they so, uh, so want to get hold of in order to be successful.
0: Karen George, Chief Executive of the One New Zealand War. It's really grateful for uh, your time. This news has literally just uh, come to hand. So thanks for coming to us for such short notice uh, to share it with the SNZ audience.
10: All good, mate. Appreciate the support. Have a good day.
0: And you, uh, Cameron George there, great announcement for sport in this country. What do you reckon? Andrew Webster locked in on a long-term deal now through to 2028, the end of the 2028 season. That's an extension of three years just announced this morning. How big a deal is that? Keen to hear your thoughts. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking about a crunch game for the Silver Ferns with the former international, Victoria Edgar. We have been absolutely spoiled this long weekend with watching uh, international teams in action with the Black Ferns, the Kiwi Ferns, the Kiwis, the All Blacks, unbelievable. And of course the Black Caps competing uh, against India overnight. And today, capping it off the end of the Constellation Cup, the Silver Ferns are taking on Australia in Game 4. Currently 2-1 to Australia. And there is a small 16-point deficit to Detroit uh, to to and negate. That is quite a size against a team like Australia. But that said... To all would be an incredible result for the Silver Ferns team against the world champions. So I'm I'm thoroughly invested in this. It's an uh, it's Auckland Spark Arena, starting off at, at uh, four o'clock. This three thirty coverage starts right here on SCNZ for the commentary. So do not miss that. And uh, to take a look at uh, what we can expect, and we're joined now by a 22 cap Silver Fern in Victoria, Edgar. Hey, uh, yeah, Victoria, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, as someone who's worn that dress with pride, how how excited are you about? this series coming down to such an exciting conclusion after what was a very tough start.
11: Oh, so excited. It's just great to, uh, to see this side, which is very young with lots of um, you know newbies coming in um, and, and uh, yeah, put it out on court to actually have that last win against Australia. It's, it's fantastic. So really excited for today's game.
0: Yeah, the Invercargill, uh, was a lot of motion around it as well, wasn't it, with the uh, Robin Broughton Stadium for uh, the day. Somebody's meant so much to to so many people, those little extra kicks certainly help. But uh, look, a three-point uh, win in that test after what was some pretty lopsided um, results in the in the first couple, it, it it showed a character to the Silver Ferns that respectfully we've been looking to see for uh, a little while this year, haven't we?
11: Absolutely, and also just the belief in themselves that you know they can do it, and um, some great performances, especially in the defence end. You and know, Kelly Jury really stood out, and. Um, great to see the the shooters down there. Um, yeah, I'm owning it as well. So no, it was it's fantastic just to see that belief coming through with the girls.
0: Now I understand you've been at the uh, the Captain's Run and checked check the ferns out. How are they shaping? How are they looking? What's the oh, what's the yeah. what's the energy levels like?
11: What a treat to um, be there this morning and um, they are all looking fantastic and ready to go, ready to take the court this afternoon and um, yeah, to, to take it to the Aussies, although it, it will be a tough one because the Aussies do not like to lose, so you can no, always this um, is
0: true.
11: Guar- yeah, guarantee that they're going to come back very, very t- um, hard, so yeah, it's going to be great.
0: I'm, I'm excited about it, um, I, I know that the Silver Ferns have uh, a history of of being able to lift for these occasions and you've been around obviously as a, as a competitor yourself you've been around the team um uh, what it's like to be a uh captain's run how much can you read into those how much uh when you kind of finish the session you go do you know what we're in the zone here or is there is it too e- is it easy to kind of read too much into what that is
11: oh well I, it felt like there was a really positive um yeah, feeling amongst the, the girls and that they were yeah ready to go so um, looking forward to see what, to, to seeing the
0: yeah, the first whistle tonight. That's really It's ex- very exciting. Um, uh, the the concept though of beating Australia by 16, this this is going to take a Herculean huc- huc- effort if the if the Silver Ferns are to, to quote unquote win the series. Two two tests here, two tests here leads to the opportune for a draw quite often. But this is a marker in the ground test, and whether you lift a trophy or not, after what the Silver Ferns have gone through this year. If they can walk away from the Constellation Cup with a 2-all series, for you, is that as good as a trophy win?
11: Absolutely. And, um, you know, yeah, when you, you're at the end of the first um, test, it was things were a bit yeah, down. And um, it shows how, the, the grit of this team that they've managed to turn around. And, and um, hopefully they can put that uh, performance out there this afternoon to, to, yeah, to make it to all. It would be a great way to finish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the 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 impact of Grace Nwecki, I, I know that the, there's far more to uh, how a nipple uh, match is played, and far more to a side than just the person who puts the uh, the ball in the hoop. But she seems to have an aura about her, and it's uh, I know t- some people like to make the comparison to Hyrene Van Dyke, and she was a, a a special a special case who had proven herself over a long period of time. But she does seem to bring something, Victoria, that changes the, the, the way that the confidence exudes the rest of that court.
11: Absolutely. She um, makes a huge impact on that Silver Ferns attack end, and she's a, a great target. She wants the ball um, and, you know, not afraid to put it up. And she's also, just over the very short amount of time that she's been playing in the black dress, has really um, just come on and hit in leaps and bounds in terms of her um, ability to stand up against that Australian defence and um yeah it's a, it's awesome to see her out there and and it's great that she's back
0: on court uh and uh, for you uh, victoria the obviously the the love of the silver ferns runs runs deep but it's it's coming through to your uh, generation as well next generation as well understand your uh, your kids have been pretty excited coming along and getting a chance to watch the ferns as well
11: oh absolutely um two girls both playing netball and it was yeah, just an incredible experience for them this morning to to see the ferns up close and um, yeah, they can't wait to watch the game this afternoon.
0: Now uh, we know that uh, Dame Nolene is locked in till uh, the end of the international calendar, which will be in January. Um, how do you think that if if she was to choose not to, New Zealand Netball has the resources to go? Be- find a coach that can take someone to the same stage that Dame Nolene does right now. It's a, it's it's like betting after Bradman. I mean she's literally been um, given a day, while in the role of of coaching this side. But it's we don't know where that's going to go yet. But if for say she was to say, Listen, I I think I've I need to move on to my next challenge With do you think we're in a situation to have the many contenders to lead us back to that promised land?
11: I think there's um, great depth of coaches in New Zealand. Um yeah, we're we're lucky that we've got um There's some fantastic talent in in the ANZ Cup um, coaching, and yeah, I do. And and Knowles has also been amazing in in bringing the the coaches that we have in New Zealand into the environment to get a look at um, how she operates and what it takes to get to that next level. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. But um, I think Knowles has got a few more bits and a few, um, yeah, yeah, a bit of time left, really. a few things. She's yeah, never one to just rest on her laurels. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what her decision is next year.
0: Longer she stays, the happier I'll be. That's for sure. Uh, and just oh, finally, yeah. if there's one if there's one thing you want the ferns uh, to bring in this this game against the diamonds, what is it? Because the intensity that the diamonds uh, bring is is pretty consistent. How what do the ferns need to do to get past that?
11: I just think they need to be confident and, and believe in themselves. And, you know, they've had a taste of the fact of how to win. And I think they just need to, to step it up another level um, today. It's going to be tough because the, the Australians do not like losing and they're going to bring it to them. But I, I think that the, the belief in themselves that they can win. And, um, and that you know, these tests, are, that's what you play for. It's to, to mark, mark yourself up against great teams like the Australians and just to go out and just, you yeah, know, leave it all out on court and um, know that you couldn't have done anything else. But I have no doubt that that's what they'll be airing up to do this afternoon.
0: I can hear it in your voice, Victoria. You still, you miss it, don't you? There's, uh, there's that, that captain's run's rid- a <laughs> little bit of a fire under, you, isn't it?
11: <laughs> oh, it was so exciting, so good to see the girls, yeah, and just to be in the, um, yeah, the Spark Arena, and it's, um, it's going to be great. Can't wait, can't wait to watch.
0: Gonna be amazing. Uh, if you get a chance, head along. Of course, you can listen to it on SCNZ from three thirty today as well. Uh, Victoria Edgar, really grateful for your time, uh, and hope you and the uh, the girls and have a, a great afternoon. We're celebrating a Silver Ferns victory to cap off what's been a wonderful weekend of New Zealand sport. Yeah, thank you, Victoria Edgar There and uh, listen, the Silver Ferns. Uh, if they can, uh, I'm serious about this. If they can finish two all with this side. With this team they're playing now, this Australian diamond side that are the, the world champions from where they were at that World Cup, just phenomenal. We're we'll going to take a break now. And uh, as we come back, we're going to turn our spotlight ahead about five years actually uh, to take a look at what it will mean for squash to be involved at the next Olympics. Not the next one being the one coming up, but the one after in Los Angeles. Quite a call up, quite a moment. Martin Dawson from New Zealand Squash will join us soon. Welcome back to the show. It is 23 minutes away from one here and uh, we have going to focus on what's been a wonderful weekend for New Zealand sport. Well, the week before started pretty special for a range of sports in this country uh, and New Zealand squash is one of them. They found out uh, that they will be finding themselves is part of the olympics the olympics the pinnacle of uh, any sporting event you could ever dream of and if someone tells you otherwise they're talking through a hole in the backside. it is uh, as big as uh, you can get and from 2028 we will see squash represented there which means that new zealand who is always always punched above their weight in squash will be part of it it is absolutely phenomenal uh, and i was excited Uh, is anyone to find out more about what that uh, what that actually means and how that actually changes things uh we're joined on the line now by new zealand squash chief executive and martin doson martin uh congratulations on that news it's had a week to sink in yet but uh the reality of this squash going from being a world championship sport to an olympic sport what are those realities what changes
12: yeah hi uh thank you yeah it was a fantastic week uh not only did we find out I think on the Monday night that we were going to be Olympic sport, but Port Cole the day before won the US Open as yes. well. So we're, we're really buzzing. Um, it's 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 massive, really, for any sport becoming uh, recognised as Olympic sport. Um, primarily, it's going to grow the profile of our sport, which will be a game changer for people wanting to participate or play, or whether it's more funding or whether it's going to support the talent pathway. Um, But it really gives our our athletes a a great chance to showcase their pedigree on on the Olympic stage. And as you mentioned, we've had such a proud history on the world stage, but also at the Commonwealth Games. So hopefully we'll be able to deliver that in the future Olympic Games.
0: I imagine you've looked on somewhat enviously um, from those uh, Commonwealth Games sport. We know that squash has got a great tradition there, and New Zealand has great success uh, in that level of competition. Um, looked on quite, you know, enviously at those who go on to the Olympics, and it's probably felt for uh, for a long time like a bit of a dream that would be hard to to reel in. What what? what does this mean as far as pathways goes we know we've got that top tier we know we've got uh people like paul cole performing at that uh, international level right now Uh, but as far as being able to draw and retain uh, talent knowing that there is now an olympic pathway for them
12: exactly i i would say attending the olympics is every every dream of any young New, New Zealander. Um, what we did know from the Commonwealth Games is that Paul Cole, when he won, he was world number one, I think, in, in March last year. And then he went on to win the gold medal at the Commonwealth Games. And he said it was easily his best moment in his life. And so representing New Zealand at a multi-sport games is huge, even though, you know, competing you know on the world stage week in, week out. And so, that for Commonwealth Games, which is which is great, but then raise that a, a few more notches to be able to represent New Zealand at the Olympic Games and perform is is, is huge. And so it really is an inspiration to any young player uh, to sort of work hard and retain in the in the sport and, and give it a good crack. The thing we have in, in New Zealand is that we have a lot of good young talent. And then around the 17, 18-year-olds, but they decide, well, what are we going to do? And really that pathway is, is either go to US for a scholarship or do they give it a crack on the world stage and go to Europe and become a professional squash player. I think that that now we're at Olympic Games, it's going to be a lot more attractive to give it a good crack at the, at the professional. And it is hard work to do that, but to have an Olympic... Uh, aspiration at the end will, will definitely help our pathway and the retention to become professional and have another poor coal and oil king
0: yeah unfortunately not to speak to joe king and, uh, and and paul cole on many occasions and i mean honestly for much of their careers they've had to be professional couch surfers you're, you're going around the world looking for a place to crash along the way they're not it's not they don't have the uh, the all blacks or the uh or the superstar um support um and that's just down to straight down funding and what's achievable and, and otherwise we, we look at the the ages of of say paul cole and uh leilani Sorry, pardon me. Uh, Joelle King, Lani um, Joyce, of course, is one of the greats of the past. Uh, Joelle and and Paul uh, will be what mid thirties to late thirties um, as the Olympics come around. Is, is is that an age we still expect to have players on top of their game in squash? What's kind of the uh, the peak peak aging or the the period where people kind of take that skill through to? Yeah, so Paul is thirty one now,
12: so he'll be thirty six in La two thousand and twenty eight. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably currently the, the fittest player on the circuit. And I guess what's good inspiration is you look at Dokovic in tennis and he's 36 now and still dominating. Um, it, it is very athletic sport, but Paul is very fit. Um, also, Paul was a, I guess, a latecomer in regards to the world uh, scene. So I think around when he was around 24, he was still only 33 in the world. So He's, he's, uh being a latecomer means, from a burnout point of view, it's uh, less likely, but also having that, that inspiration. Um And is there a perfect gauge? I'm, I'm not sure. We have a full range of, of players. 36 is obviously near the, the end, but um, he is fit and he is very focused on fitness and that's not going to change. So fingers crossed he'll be up there in 2028
0: that'd be huge they call them superman for a reason don't they man so we're not we're not concerned. Yeah, I'm sure if, uh, if anything's going to make you think about extending your career it's a chance to play the Olympics there's no, there's no questions I'm sure that uh, squash players uh, around the globe are going to start making some very smart uh, decisions around longevity so uh, it's been a wonderful moment and uh, I'm thrilled for the opportunity for New Zealand squash to be celebrated uh, at that level and uh, for people who have made incredible contributions to become icons and that's what Olympics can do so um very excited, but what lays ahead, and of course the uh, the opportunity. And listen, I can tell you, I've got a ten-year-old boy who, over the last couple of weeks, has been coming to me out of the blue, unprompted, saying, "Hey, Dad, can I get into squash? Can I learn how to play squash?" So uh, it's definitely uh, having uh, an impact uh, on the lower levels, and people I know that some of the kids are, are knowing the names of. Paul Cole now, and that's uh, that's taking literally taking you back to the uh, Susan DeVoy days as far as that level of uh, recognition and popularity throughout the country. So congratulations. Um, we look forward to seeing so much more.
12: Yeah, thanks very much, and thanks for your support, Sam. And uh, it's great to hear Daniel wants to get into it. We've got a lot of clubs around the country, and it is fun. You know, it is a fun sport. It's easy to pick up, and it's great. To, uh, you know, it's a family sport as well. Um, so you can you know you can get on the court with him and uh he might even <laughs> uh, beat you so there's yeah, nice a
0: huge odds you'll beat me and this and i i think the main thing is looking for another sport <laughs> sport to kick my ass and as the uh, the short answer <laughs> appreciate your time uh go well we look forward to touching base in the and uh, the build up to what will be one of the uh, the great moments for the sport in this country we're going to take a break Uh, on the other side we'll catch in with uh, your thoughts it has been an absolutely chocker show thank you so much for all your input seeing through your texts and uh, phone calls been wonderful and we're breaking news of course earlier on at the top of the hour that andrew webster extending his time at the warriors through to 2028. That is quite a stint. Uh, and if you want to know about the next stint, by the way, going from uh, from this show to the big show, uh, <laughs> 1 till 3.30, Stephen McIver will be taking you through hey, on Sammy. SNZ. G'day, Stephen. What about that news of uh, Andrew Webster? It'll equal the longest tenure as a Warriors coach. The boy has got one season of first grade under his belt, and he is locked in like that. Yeah. What a bit, what a <laughs> massive announcement.
2: Yeah, look, fantastic result. The cynical one said to me, one great season doth not make the coach. You know, that's that's the cynic in me, but having spoken to him at the beginning of the season, having had a bit of a sit-down in the office and just, just chatting about where he's going and what he's like, uh, they're on to a winner. He's part, part of this new breed of coach, which doesn't give away too much, uh, sticks very close to his, his uh, team and what they stand for, and you don't know too much until what you see on game day. Reminds me so much of Phil Jackson of the Chicago Bulls. You know that, yep. They had that, that, that circle. If you, anything got out of the circle, you'd be punished. You wouldn't be playing or things like that. And I think Andrew Webster is one of those guys. He's genuinely just a good bugger but can coach and has taken the long way through it and deserves it. Uh, the Warriors obviously believe he is the man for the future. And if you went on just one season, you'd have to say, yeah, but now the pressure on is on to deliver in season number two. So who'd be a coach? But no, fantastic news on the back of the fact that they're shopping Josh Curran to my mighty Bulldogs. <laughs> Look,
0: and Josh Curran is a player who has been huge. His impact during the COVID years, yeah. I'd, I'd say, he was the leading warrior in the, in the, yeah, the heartbeat right. of that team during that. Uh, and it would be a shame uh, as a, as the a Warriors supporter to see him go because he is he is he's wholehearted. But I think what, he what has Andrew his, Webster think, done so th- far to make you doubt any of his selection? Nothing. Choices? Nothing, hasn't?
2: Not one thing. No, it hasn't made me doubt anything. No, nothing. I, I've sat back and just enjoyed it. I've joined, you know, I've just watched watched the ride. And it was one of the it reminded me of the 2000 and, uh, I think the 2002 year when they first went to the grand final. Was it 2002? It was. Yeah, of course, I was there. Uh, where you would literally look at each game and go, actually, there, there's a chance to win this. And they did. I think it was only one game in that year when they played the Dragons at home. And I was pretty confident in Tia Party that Tia, not Peter, Tia said to me, Dragons are going to win this, and they won it. And I think that was only one of their, their slips, if I'm correct in remembering that rightly. So, yeah, look, there is so much to like about it. Does Roger Vasashek make a big impact next year? Not sure. Not sure whatsoever. But we shall wait and see. There's no point in thinking whether he's going to be a big a great buyer or a G. Should we have really bought him by? I just think we need to wait and see. But I think they've got it right. And renewing Sean for another year. And he's got he's another another year, I think was a smart play as well. The question remains though, who's going to fill in for that following year? But no pointless no point in looking that far ahead.
0: I'm excited. Look, Chanel harris David is a huge buyback. I managed yeah. to catch up with him. I, 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 listen, I think that what he will bring, you will see him with 14 next season, and you'll see him being the guy. Oh, he's, in, he's oh in the he 14? Yeah, Absolutely. Completely. You, bring, you, you bring him on, and you make him that link play uh, the guy that when Egan Egan comes off as he regularly does, yep. uh, and the you know, it's you need a bloke you can put it in there, you can back it up. Freddie Lusick has done a, an admirable job, but I think that they're missing something when you lose uh, when you don't, you don't have enough attack I, through through uh, Freddie Lusick. I and, think
2: what we saw in that final year of Chanel Harris-Tavita was what she, which what was what we wanted to see, and that'll yep. have to be our building thing defensively. One of the strongest little front-on defenders you would have seen in the game at that time but obviously needed a break. So it's look, things will build slowly. Uh, expectations will be high because you know what rabid fans are like. They want it all and they want it now. But I think there is enough hope after this season to think that, gee whiz, they could go to the big dance next year. But anything could happen. Hell, Des Hasler's going to the Titans. Maybe he can turn them into a machine. Who knows?
0: Yeah, it's, it is uh, monumental. <laughs> we're, we're hearing talk that P&G is going to be team number 18. They need to get an 18 locked in straight away early for me. I don't think any real team's going oh,
2: to like, I just love the comp anyway. I don't really care if you have another one or number three teams. I just think it's it's the best overball comp going around. Full stop. Why one not,
0: why not argue for me. So it's, it's been a monster weekend, Stephen. Absolutely yep. monster. What can we look forward to on your show uh, today?
2: Horfanger. Uh, player of the oh, match. yes. Got Melly Hufang, yeah, a fantastic the, the, woman. Adam, the, Bla- best,
0: the, the best running prop in the game of any <laughs> of any gender, of any code.
2: And one of the biggest hearts going around. Adam Blake from the New Zealand Mako, which are the New Zealand flag football team. That, remember, that's in the Olympics. Storm Purvis is going to give us her breakdown on the fourth Constellation Cup test today. And we're going to talk to Tim Leach, Toyota 86 driver, because that season starts not too far with a whole lot of other stuff and highlights of what this magnificent weekend's been, Sammy.
0: It has been monstrous. Absolutely How the hell's Mercedes, and the kids? Ah, uh, they're great. It's uh, Labor Day, and and they uh, get to have. Uh, is day she missing of me? <laughs> you, you're spoken about often, uh, but some of the words that the adjectives get used, I can't really use on radio. But uh, you are you are spoken of often, uh, Stephen. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Oh, this Look, is good. Good fun, mate.
0: I can't wait to see what the show uh, has in store. Make sure you stick around with Stephen. Uh, and after that, of course, She's it's it. leading into the netball. Uh, looking forward to that commentary here on SENZ. Thank you so much for your time today. been an absolute joy. Thank you very much to Brayden Harrison, producer, keeping this thing ship shape. And uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As I mentioned, you can go out and enjoy the sun. Whack us in your earpods, Listen to it on the app. Enjoy your afternoon. Enjoy Labor Day. And go the Silver Ferns.